Hello and happy holidays. This is Wrestle Update, and I'm your host, Dylan Fox. Joining me, as always, is my good friend and everyone's friend in this season that we are in, Nello De Angelis. How are you doing? Doing well. Um, it's. I was talking to a friend last night. It's funny how Christmas, the older you get, only seems to be like a busier season, um, whether it be work or making gifts for people or whatever, but... I yearn for the days of simplicity where I would simply wake up to gifts, but it's still a great season. How are you doing? Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, I totally agree with you. Obviously, I think everybody as a kid, you know, Christmas is the jam. Ultimately, it's what we're all looking forward to. (laughs) Yeah, you know, you really get amazed by the big tree. The tree seems to only get smaller. Like, you know, when you're five years old, it seems so big. And then when you grow up, it's not as big. Uh, for some reason and this year i've got i posted on twitter last week i put up two very mini trees not big but mini trees uh on here i haven't gotten to do all the christmas stuff that i wanted putting up lights and all that stuff which i uh, my grandparents really love especially nanny she loves the the holidays so much um but we are this is a christmas eve edition of wrestle update and we got some stuff to talk about that's very cool uh nello's been so busy doing great things uh in the video game world uh right now and uh so we we are taking the time now to do it and i'm very happy too uh i know we got some big dinners coming up that's like i say that's always my number one piece of advice for any holiday do what you want if you like hanukkah that's okay um you know whatever you celebrate but get free food any chance you can get. That's what you need to do. That's the game plan, people. Get free <laughs> food. Uh, I, I don't care if it's New Year's, Three Kings Day, you know, all, all of that. Uh, you know, I, I want it all to be – I want everybody to have happy, and that usually means tasty food. And this year we are putting in that we're cooking the potatoes with the ham broth, the secret sauce to any great holiday. So it's destined to be good. Can't wait to see what my sister does. I'll probably put some pictures, uh, put some pictures up on Twitter later. Uh, should be a lot of fun on there. And and I welcome anybody. Hopefully you guys had some good gifts and and good food as well out there. But in the wrestling sector of things, we have stuff to talk about. And it starts with what happened just a week ago. Ring of Honor, final battle. Which, uh, as we determined in the awards, I've got the award nominations set up as well. Me, me and Nello talked about it off the show or off the air. Uh, we have all the award categories put into play. We will be doing a lot of that. Uh, we'll be doing a lot of thinking, having a lot of fun, and we will see what that happens. Very early into January, it's going to be it's the very start of the year. We're going to let Worlds End happen because who knows? Maybe there'll be a match of the year on there that changes everything. Maybe. These, maybe it'll be a worse show of the year candidate. We don't know. But we will have special episodes for the awards coming up. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Uh, Ring of Honor will count in the AEW category because ultimately their biggest show of the year, they, the Ring of Honor champion wasn't in it because he's too busy in an AEW tournament, unfortunately. So that kind of tells you everything. But we will go through it. And first of all, final battle. Ring of Honor. This is I like how we're doing the show lately because last last episode we talked about NXT, uh, their show, which is a show we really don't talk about that much usually uh, on here. Although that's actually on TV, unlike Ring of Honor, uh, we still don't talk about it. But Ring of Honor is not a show where I'm super invested in really any of their storylines. I might see some clips. When it first started, I was an Honor Club subscriber, uh, but 
the show just really went down in my opinion and it wasn't that interesting in all honesty um outside of the pay-per-views obviously which we talked about they had a unique format for this show final battle the first rerun of show since tony khan took over where it was exclusive on honor club uh, their website and ring of honor uh, rohwrestling.com what did you think about that move Nello? like moving it from the traditional pay-per-views which all the other ones have been on to this honor club the situation here well what did you make of that move i subscribed uh me too so i guess it worked (laughs) yeah (laughs) i was like dude i'd love to pay 10 bucks for athena versus billy stark sign me up you know um such a better move like yeah i totally agree i would much rather pay ten dollars to get on honor club and now i can watch the actual tv versus paying $30 for a pay-per-view for a company that I don't follow because they're on a streaming service. But yeah, this is such a better alternative. I was surprised that the negativity surrounding it not coming out because I think it was, I'm totally agreeing with you. I think it was a much better alternative, uh, just dollars and cents wise for the fans, obviously. And hopefully after this show, especially after one match, I, there's one match that I really stood out to me <laughs> that we're going to get into. Uh, hopefully it keeps them on board. Maybe you get another month or two of subscriptions. Uh, you got more people signing up because of the lower price. Maybe they get maybe they like what they see. I don't think there's any downside to what they did putting this on Honor Club at all. Um, maybe, you know, if you really look at the nitty, nitty gritty of it, maybe there's less profits or whatever. But you might get longer term fans out of it and it may pay off later on. So I, I don't really have any issues with it. Uh, the show, obviously, it's a bummer. As as cool as it was to have Athena and Billy Starks on the main event, and, and as well as it turned out, we'll talk about it. I wish that they had had, you know, it's, the tournament kind of predated that and made sure that it wouldn't happen this way. I wish they had had some way where they he'd still had a title defense on the pay-per-view somehow. Uh, obviously, with the tournament, and we're going to talk about the Continental Classic later as well, guys, uh, as well. But just to not have the champion on your biggest show of the year, that was a really off-putting to me. I wish that they had found some way to avoid that somehow. Um, and I don't know how I, they, they could have done that. Maybe, maybe they could have done something interesting where Eddie put his spot in the tournament on, on the line. Like, you know, if somebody beats him, they get his points and they're suddenly in the the chase to get the title. Uh, Something like that. Something with some stakes for Kingston, because for the biggest show of the year, you need to have all of your your main guys represented and girls as well. And that was the one thing that was off putting for me coming in. But besides that, what was your kind of vibe coming into the show? What was your hype level? Obviously, with the main event, I knew you were you were really hyped for that. And that's something that they've actually built to for months and months. Uh, as well but for the show itself how are you feeling um if i'm not mistaken this was on friday not saturday right uh because i I feel the 15th i really loved that i loved having a a friday night pay-per-view um just because i'm not a big smackdown or rampage person historically um so that was nice i mean we had ufc on saturday as well so it was just a fun weekend overall um my hype level was like I was more excited to watch so I could talk to you about it than necessarily the show itself. Um, but damn, I thought this delivered like it felt like one of those old brand split pay-per-views, like when SmackDown would run like 
remember when they had that Dolph Ziggler Miz feud and it's like this never would have main evented or been like prominent had they not done like this brand yeah. split. Um, yeah. Like you, I with your Ethan Page and Tony Nese and stuff like that. Um, I wasn't super excited, but damn, yeah, it, it really delivered, I thought. What about you? Oh, yeah, the end result, uh, we'll talk about it, but I thought this was a, a really strong effort, especially the main matches. <laughs> I thought they did a lot of things right uh, on this show. Obviously, with the situation being what it is, uh, the the Ring of Honor show being on Honor Club, and the effort just isn't always there a lot of the times. But then there's some stuff where they really do put a lot of effort in, and even though it's on Ring of Honor, people talk about it a lot, like Athena and Billy Starks, their storyline. I think anybody watching this knew what the deal was with that even before the show started. And I think that's a credit to the great work they put in on that. Uh, other stuff was kind of like thrown together. Uh, a lot of the show honestly felt like, okay, this is just thrown together stuff. Uh, so it was a really interesting show from that end. I agree with what you said about it being similar to a brand split era pay-per-view where it, you would have unique stuff <laughs> that wouldn't main event on most shows, uh, you know, being on there. I like those. I know a lot of people didn't like a lot of people are anti brand split, but I like them because you get unique matches that you wouldn't see yes. and you don't have to repeat the same stuff over and over. And that is a good point. A lot of these were at least unique. I wish more care had been put to building them up uh, overall. And obviously like Nyla advert, that was obviously a squash, you know, that was meant to get over one person uh, more than mean anything. The other stuff I wish they had done more with like, you know, Utah and, and Tom and, and Keith and, and Shane, those are good matchups on paper. You could have done some interesting things with, but I don't think they really got very far uh, with them. But uh, regardless, uh, coming in, Io Del Vikingo versus Black Taurus for the AAA Mega title. This has been a very controversial match online since it happened, uh, but right now it's got a 7.76 rating from the inmates on our, with cage match our good friends of cage match. Obviously we're airing on there. Thank you very much for that. Uh, what did you think of this match here? Cause this was the match we talked about when we, we watched it live uh, before we both had to go our separate ways, doing different stuff in the, in the middle of the show. <laughs> uh, regardless, what did you think? Man, this was like one of my favorite pay-per-view openers, like full stop. Um, I know there was some botches and stuff, but again, like it almost felt like I was actively learning what was going to be on this show as it was airing. Like I had no fucking clue this was happening. Um, commentary like Riccoboni and Coleman. I love Riccoboni did a really great, great job yeah. selling that this was a first time ever matchup um, in front of a live audience. Right. You know, like they ran it once during the pandemic era. Um but like they were Riccoboni really sculpted this as a big time match within like 30 seconds of it beginning. And holy shit did these two just like, I mean, they absolutely exceeded that. I thought doing stuff I've never seen before. Really Taurus is such a great base. Um, like the ultimate David versus Goliath kind of story. And with like the character work as well, right? Like Taurus is literally a giant fucking minotaur. And then Vikingo being like, you know, the literal, like the the Viking style outfit and stuff like that. Um, like it's a lot more special than a Silverano versus, uh, you know, Taurus or Vikingo. And that's not to say because of the in-ring work, but just simply it's like, 
looking at these two characters, like it's very fantastical, right? Where this almost looks like a, a blockbuster film. Um, dude, yeah, they just did amazing. I thought the Kingo's offense on Taurus was great. Um, he really had to work uphill. And again, it was just um, like the trios match on Rampage. I I really hold grace for these matches in terms of like some slip ups or, you know, before the show, we were talking about how this and the Rampage match were both phenomenal. One was like, you know, the first spectacle. And then the second is like, you know, just cleaner. Um, and I appreciate both immensely. I do agree with Dave's rating on this one. I would I'll give this, uh, you know. Four and a half, dude. I thought this was fucking amazing. Uh, any match that has me smiling, that had me like literally shouting, oh, my God. And I thought this set an unbelievable pace and standard for the pay-per-view that I think they, you know, relatively managed uh, for the most part. What about you? Yeah, like you said, we were talking up there. They had a rematch on Rampage uh, just a couple of days ago. And exactly what you said, that match was cleaner, but it's like they took a, some stuff that didn't work from this pay-per-view match and cut just cut it out. But the problem is that some of the stuff that didn't work was their most ambitious stuff. This pay-per-view opener, they clearly, especially Vikingo, was just like, all right, I'm going for it. Like, this is the pay-per-view. I'm going to unload my full clip of everything I've got here. And some of the stuff did not work. Like, there were some botches and some mess-ups, like, unquestionably about that. Uh, obviously, everyone knows the the gif that's out where he botched the springboard three times and Taurus was standing around on the outside. And uh, that was bad. Don't get me wrong. I wish Taurus had actually just... I think he should have tried to cover it up a little better than just standing there personally, as as bad as Vikingo was. But then later in the match, Vikingo hits a 720 rotation move to the outside and lands on his feet. And it's like, this is the most impressive thing anyone's ever done in, in wrestling, uh, you know? And it's like, oh, the finish. Oh, he just went from a 720 to a 630 splash, unfortunately, to, to win. And it's like, damn. The action this match was so hot. When it hit, it was like match of the year level spectacle. There yes. was some stuff that failed that took it down. But I appreciate the effort that they went so crazy uh, trying to go for it. And maybe they didn't get all the way. But for an opener, you can't tell me this wasn't entertaining like to, to watch overall. And for an opener, that's all you needed to be. And I agree with your point earlier as well that there was decent psychology in the fact that Taurus is so much bigger than Vikingo. So you have that small versus big story that they played with a lot. I thought Taurus was pretty good. Again, outside of that other, that one spot where he was going on the outside, but when it was came to him being the base for Vikingo, he was phenomenal and he did a great job. Uh, he's a guy a lot of people were impressed by. I think his look goes a long way as well. Uh, you know, just like you said, both of these guys, Vikingo as well, they've got super unique looks. They've got aura to them. And they do stuff like, you know, compare Vikingo. I thought that six-man match on Rampage was a phenomenal match, like one of the best on AEW TV this year. Uh, everybody was great in it. But compare Vikingo to Action Andretti. A talented guy. Like, don't get me wrong with Andretti. But you just look at him. One guy has a great aura to him with his look, how he carries himself. And then Andretti's still finding himself. He's not there yet overall when it comes to the look 
and just how he carries himself that Vikingo has, despite being a talented guy in his own right. But Vikingo's special talent, Turus, I really love a lot. Uh, I don't know what they've got planned for them in AEW at all. Vikingo's in such a weird spot in AEW where he's like, he's like the, you know, utility, the, you know, the ultimate utility player in a baseball term, you know, where you just plug him in whenever there's an open spot. Oh, let's bring Vikingo in and he'll have this insane match that the crowd pops for. And they rally behind him as an underdog as well, which they did in this match. So perfect utility player. I had this at four stars. Still a great match, but I wouldn't say it was a match of the year. For my ratings, I'm a little bit of a hard grader. If it's four and a half stars, you're probably looking at a match of the year, top ten match of the year candidate. And I didn't think this was that, but I loved the effort, and I still thought it was a great match. Yeah, and I think you said it very well um, at the beginning of what you were saying with, like, they messed some things up, but it's very admirable, right? In the sense of a lot of the time, these guys are trying things that, like, have typically never been done before or like you haven't seen on like a big stage um and i guess i hold more again like grace for that than something like you know a wrestler trying a normal move that they typically don't do like a, a cm punk doing a buckshot lariat or a fucking miz doing kicks right i'm like okay this just looks like shit like don't like you know operate within your wheelhouse right and i think when you're trying to do things like you know, again, that haven't necessarily been done before. Um, like I expect some roughness around the edges, I guess. And like you said, I mean, you could see how quickly they learned from this match as well in terms of delivering, you know, a comparable match in terms of quality. And like you said, cleaning up some of the spots that just didn't work. Um, so it was like the the self-awareness as well of what they did and were able to do afterwards um, and agreed. I'm excited to see what happens with the Kingo. Um, you know, he really is and pretty much like he's probably one of the most like popular wrestlers in the U.S. right now in terms of the the larger w outside WWE scale. Um, you know, he's a mainstay for GCW now to where he wrestled in Karakun Hall with them. Uh, you know, he main evented shows in Australia with them. Uh, and then he's constantly on AEW programming now and on ROH. And I think whatever his contract is up or whatever happens with him, it will be interesting to see. Um, and then especially though, Taurus, if I'm not mistaken, he was working with Impact. It's sort of just come to an end. And man, I think AEW could use another big guy. I would really pop for a Taurus versus Kill Switch match, I think, honestly. I feel like that could be cool. Another one with with the look, you know, that you, that you look for that could be just a great visual uh, if they put those two together. Yep. I'm totally on board with Sonny Tours. Uh, I think that guy's awesome. Uh, again, just a unique guy. You need guys who stand out, you know, not just having the same generic look with all these guys. And I think both of these guys do that. Uh, it was really good. Like you said, uh, and good on the inmates too. I thought the cage match Raiders did a mostly good job of of rating that match. Uh, then they kind of had a segment where, like you said, it felt like a lot of this was on the fly, where the commentary team just was like, "All right, we got matches on the show. Like, let's talk about them." And uh, they they brought up some of the card earlier on. That led to the six man tag team titles on the line here in the next match. 
And this was a special match because it featured New Japan's TMDK. Uh, Shane Haste, Kosei Fujita, and the bad dude, bad dude Tito, taking out the Mogul Embassy, Bishop Khan, Toa Leona, and Brian Cage. Um, the Gates of Agony were just in the New Japan World Tag League. Uh, you don't have to watch any of that <laughs> overall. Uh, but they were there. They were no doubt there. They almost had them join the House of Torture, but then they were like, no, nah, it was a swerve. We're not in the House of Torture. Uh, so they come in here defending their titles. What did you think of this match? Um, A week removed from it, not much. It definitely was good. I think, you know, they suffered from having to follow Vikingo and Taurus. And if, like, a trio's match is known for everything, it's going to be high-intensity, fast-paced, typically, right? Um, And this was one of two trios matches on the show as well. And the other trios match, which we'll get into oh, later. Oh, don't even was, compare this to that. No, no, that. it's, it's yeah. so much like, you know, again, like this has the unfortunate spot of being the second best trios match on a card with two and following Vikingo and Taurus. Um, I like the Mogul Embassy. It was funny when they came out. They, I mean, they are, you know, quite literally the most legitimate ROH champions outside of Athena. Um, like Eddie had a proving ground match here. It was like five minutes. So, yeah, Mogul Embassy have always been ride or die for ROH. I fuck with that. I love Prince Nana. Um, you know, I didn't think this match was anything special. Uh, you know, it's a treat for the live crowd. I love Bad Dude Tito. He's always fucking fun. Shout out Bad Dude Dylan as well. The alter ego. Um, and then that would be such a cool nickname for you if you get back on the indies. Um, oh, really? Yeah, bad that, dude. You, you pitching pitch me a gimmick? Me? A, hey, bad dude Tito is freaking awesome. I'm a huge fan of his. Yeah. Uh, I think he was one of the standouts of the, you know, the L.A. Dojo, New Japan Strong, blah blah blah. I thought he was one of the best guys that they had, and I really enjoyed him in this match. I always enjoy watching him wrestle. Actually, I think he's really good. Uh, I would be happy to form a tag team with him uh, if my brain recovers ever uh, enough to wrestle. We will do that uh, for sure. I, I would, if he wants to. I can't make him be my partner, but I, I would love to be a part of TMDK as well. Hang out with the boys uh, there. They are kind of like a group of like dumb jocks almost <laughs> like kind of like yep. in, in new japan yeah, uh, they're totally. like yeah they're like the frat brothers or, or whatever of, of everyone uh but yeah i was missing mad mikey uh somebody who's really grown on me in new japan this year uh but i liked bad dude he's awesome fujita love him haste i like well enough don't know about this whole twerking deal he's been doing lately uh, but he's Speaking pretty good jocks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's all right, uh, like I said, but sure, like, you know, I'm not going to judge him too much. Uh, the embassy, you know, Cage, he always takes a lot of grief online, but he's kind of good. Uh, like that's uh, that's how I always come away from him. Uh, and, and pretty much all of his matches, like, hey, he's kind of good actually. And the Gates of Agony, I always like. The tag league wasn't used to their strengths. I don't think they did a great job. It's not like they were terrible, but they weren't really able to show a lot. But for a beefy six-man team, these three big guys wrecking stuff, I'm all for that. I think they're really good. There was a spot, too, where, uh, you know, the Gates of Agony just came in and just wrecked Fujita. It was really good uh, coming in there. 
Uh, there was a spot too where Tito Cage was flying in. He was doing like uh, the rolling la- uh, lariat, and Tito just like picked him up and hit a, a Death Valley driver on him. It was badass. I, I was into it. Uh, so shout out to the bad dude, uh, TMDK. Both these teams are good, but ultimately the problem with this match is it's kind of like the opposite of the first match. <laughs> like nothing went wrong in this match, but they didn't make it. They didn't try to make it anything more than what it was, which is ultimately like. This is easily a TV match. You know, this is not a pay-per-view spectacle at all. It was a solid six-man match, that three-star level, but it wasn't special ultimately. But I enjoyed watching it for what it was. I thought it was a good match. Yeah, no, completely agree. Um, It wasn't bad. Uh, It wasn't great. But, you know, with the spot they were on the card, I think that they were able to maintain the, the sort of pace. And then, again, like... Even three stars, like I'm not going to complain about that. No, uh, not for the second <laughs> match on the card. It's not like this was the main event. It was, and like you said, there was another match that I definitely rated higher than three uh, coming up. But this was a solid match. Yeah, uh, maybe for the titles, you might want a little bit more, uh, you know, action. But for uh, just a good, solid mid card match, you can't complain about this, in my opinion. No, and um, you know when Brian Cage was first put together with like the. Um, the embassy i think everyone saw it you know when this new ring of honor resurgence began um everyone really saw it as like this sort of like half-assed like okay whatever but man this has helped cage more than anything else um yeah he has become a very you know like we're talking about with vikingo a very prominent utility player as well um you know anytime you need to get a big guy over or just someone like Cage can really work like your big man match or even your your high flyer as well. Um, So like, dude, he legit like, I don't know. Again, the six man champions, they they ride or die. Absolutely. Uh, Six man champions. Good. We're giving these guys all the thumbs up. A match well done. I might even bump it up to three and a quarter just, just to be nice here. Uh, you get them up. Uh, good match. You know, I wish they'd done a little bit more. But then we get into this next match. <laughs> and they play the hype video for this. So from what I, from how I understand it, I did see there's a clip online of them doing their contract signing for this match. And how I understand this storyline is that basically uh, Tony Nese is annoying and they had one match and screw it. We're going to the I quit match. <laughs> it's like, this is kind of something that always irks me An I quit match. That isn't really pop- properly built to, uh, and, and cause that to me should be a devastating blood feud. And there's nothing in this feud that constitutes these guys hating each other to that much. They want to end their careers, which to me is what an I quit matches signify. That's a problem in a lot of wrestling, not just this feud, but that was automatically a negative mark here for for this I quit match uh, at the end of the day. And so what what did you think of this I quit match between Tony Nese and Ethan Page here? And they also had, uh, again, something we both want to complain about. <laughs> Early on, they mentioned that Mark Sterling, who's Tony Nese's manager, he was handcuffed to Mark Henry that was a stipulation, so he couldn't interfere. And wouldn't you know it, somehow, some way, he found a way to interfere anyway. Classic pro wrestling. Um, okay, I kind of disagree on the match stipulation stuff. Like, 
I totally agree with it being like a blood feud, um, you know, like that last man standing shit, whatever. Like, I want to kill you. Um, the I quit here almost felt like more metaphorical and the sense of, you know, the story, like you said, is like Tony Nese is like, Ethan Page, you're out of shape. You're bullshit, dude. And then Ethan Page is like, I'm going to get in the best fucking shape of my life and I'm going to win gold for my daughter. Um, so in the case of the I quit, it felt like Tony is so up his own ass. He's like, I would never say those two words. He doesn't even like factor in the actual like impact of this match and what can happen because he's just like a bully. And then for Paige, it felt like whenever Nice was trying to get him to say I quit, you know, he's not just saying it in this match, but to his own workout progress to get himself in the best shape of his life um, to win the gold for his daughter. Like it felt like when Paige was being asked to say I quit, it was in that sort of meta narrative of his career and where he currently is. Right. Um, and that's to say I fucking hate I quit matches still. Um, <laughs> I don't like okay. I quit matches, but but I will like I liked the use of it here. But man, they just they're not good matches. Like I I think if you're gonna do I quit, like if you're asking them to quit within the first couple minutes, like no. Oh, that, I hate that. Yeah, just, yeah, totally. You know, you're going to be in for a long fucking match. Like if, if I'm a character, right? If I'm a pro wrestler. I'm going to be like, dude, until this guy is like fucking on the ground, like bleeding, you know, I'm going to be like, you quit. He's like, yeah, <laughs> um, I quit. But uh, it's it's very like it's like the um, the the Texas death, right, where it's like they have to count to 10 or whatever. Yeah, um, same. same like, deal, yeah, I feel like Swerve and Paige did it really smart where. They weren't doing those counts at the beginning, really. Like, you build up to those with brutality. And here it was, you know, it, it's like a song, right? If you begin a song with a breakdown, what are you breaking down? So if you're going to introduce the I quit, like, actual interactions in the beginning of the match, it's like you've kind of just skirted past everything else that goes there, right? I think of, like, Kodaka and Takeda of Miyamoto and Sasaki from fucking 2007, where it's like the first 10 minutes of the death match doesn't even involve glass. It's them just fucking wrestling, you know, um, like you got to build to it. I did not think they built up to it here. The Sterling stuff definitely took me out as well. Like, dude, Mark Sterling is he feels like the indie version of Johnny Ace people power. Dude has the <laughs> biggest away heat i do not fucking care for him i'm very happy he's been relegated to roh at least uh rather than dynamite because there was a point where it was like it seemed like he was representing eight different people and it was just fucking annoying dude um so like i, I think this match suffered from a lot but this the main strength was the character work i think that page and niece both succeeded in the character work um you know and i liked again the the way that they approached the the I quit. But other than that, you know, I'd give this like maybe a two and a half. Not offensively bad, but I can't say it's anything better than average. Probably honestly like two and a quarter just because of the Sterling thing was so fucking ridiculous. Yeah, uh, that's another issue, too, is that like the Sterling stuff to me was like this stuff was tired probably in the 80s like some of the stuff there i mean you had the white powder <laughs> in, in here it's like are we really doing that now in 2023 in this ultra you know supposedly again an i quit match should be a serious stipulation 
And to be fair, I will give the wrestlers credit for this. I agree with what you said about the character work in the match. And I think the effort in this match was very high for both men. Uh, you saw a big blade job here, like with blood and all that stuff. And I still can't help but think, you know, this storyline, I mean, I'm not pro fat shaming at all. Like that's, a, that's a terrible thing and something offensive, but is it really worth trying to bloody this man and his career over? I don't know if I would go that far overall. Like this is a, a reason to, f- to throw hands surely, but to try and drop a, a weight, like a bench press weight on him or whatever, I don't know. Like I, I think that was a that was a little much for this feud. Um, and then the, you even had the old, fr- you know, the former friend come out to save him with Scorpio Sky uh, come in. I liked that actually. I like them reuniting Men of the Year. I think that they I like could that too. Be, they could yeah. be a really fucking good bounce back um, Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions. And real quick, I wanted to say because you made a great point as well. They both yeah. worked their ass off, and I genuinely think if you removed, if you just switched I Quit to No DQ, this yeah. match their work would have shown through because the biggest negatives here was the match stipulation. And then the match stipulation caveat of Sterling and just both of those not working. And that's unfortunately the constraints they had. Um, but yeah, no, I sorry to cut you off. <laughs> no, 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 you're, you're all right. Like, I totally agree with you. Like every point you said and the Sterling stuff, it would have been better because you would have ideally built that to a big pop, which would be Mark Henry knocking somebody out, whether it was Sterling or, or uh niece. But instead it's like, he, he just, he just got him out and that was it. <laughs> like what, 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 what was the point of Mark Henry being involved in the early going? If he was just going to escape and nothing was going to come of it, or you could have, well, I mean, they wanted to have the surprise pop with, with sky coming out, but still, uh, and I do agree with you totally. I like the men of the year as a team. Now reuniting. I think that's a good place for both of them. Um, you know, then they come in. There was a spot too in the match. I noted where <laughs> they had all like, they set up all these chairs in the ring and Nice tried to hit him with uh, a Frankensteiner onto them, and he f- he did it, but he flew over the chairs uh, on there. So you put all this effort into building the spot. And even the commentators, which is a great job, again, to ba- to piggyback your point earlier, R- Riccoboni and Caprice are freaking great. They're the best commentary team of any company, and they've added to every one of the Ring of Honor shows that they've been on, in my opinion. I think they've done a great job, uh, and they did throughout the show. They didn't even attempt to try and sell that. They were like, that didn't hit him at all, <laughs> like the, yep. the the chairs, like which is very, very funny overall. And again, I, I agree with what you said. If it was a no DQ match, I could have vibed with that. And the match would have been better. <laughs> and yeah, you might have been able to avoid some of this. But yeah, go on. Just imagine taking out all of those like quit moments because everything else is no DQ. And I just think that that would have you probably would have taken, what, five minutes out. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, fuck. Yeah, let's go. And to, to speak as well, like um, real quick, going back to the commentary, you know, I thought when Caprice Coleman first started, he really struggled. Um, and I think it, it speaks to. The natural ability of Rick Abani and how he's really able to pair up with anyone who you put him with. He's very personable, very welcoming. And the chemistry they now have and the confidence that Coleman has, um, you know, they're both very unique in terms of I think it was when we were watching the West Coast Pro Show and talking about the commentary on there. Right. Um, commentary can feel very performative. 
Um, yeah. Where it's like, I'm going to do what I think I'm supposed to do when something happens. But Coleman and Riccoboni always respond to things within what makes sense for them and what also feels genuine and honest. And I really, really appreciate that. And, you know, the icing on the cake is just they're absolutely like, you know, um, I'm trying to think of the word here, but just like unmatched love and knowledge of yeah. Ring of Honor, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally agree. Um, but yeah, and, uh, man, I always respect the commentary. It's such a hard job. I, I did guest commentary three times in my career, really two, because one time I sat there and said nothing. That was the whole gimmick. I was just telling a story in my face. I said like two words at the end because I was an emo guy <laughs> at the end. But two other times, that's different as a wrestler. If you're on guest commentary, you're really getting yourself over and the storyline, like you and your opponent. But when you're the commentator, commentator, you have to get the whole show over. Like every match, you have to know what you're talking about. You can't screw up, you know, you can't even screw up a move name or else everyone will, will call you on it. Let alone, again, like sometimes like the, the Frankensteiner spot I mentioned before, where if they tried to, oh, my God, the chairs, like that would have ruined their credibility. And everyone would have been like, oh, come on. You know, we've seen that in wrestling, but plenty of times where a move won't connect and they'll still sell it on commentary. That makes you lose credibility. So it's a really hard job. And Ian and Caprice, I think, both do a great job. I think Caprice has done a great job in his role as well. But Ian, like you said, total pro on commentary. Love all of his work overall uh again another part that i didn't like i think it would have been better like you said with the no dq i would have eliminated all of the surly stuff until maybe one spot at the end where he comes in maybe he comes in and throws the powder and it looks like pay, uh niece is about to win and then sky comes out and drags him to the back so you get one big spot you get the surprise without the dumb stuff no white quit spots uh and also a spot that i didn't like with the weight plate that I, that I was talking about, how heavy was this thing? Did they ever say how many pounds this was? Because if you bash somebody that, especially a manager, this should be the end of his career, pretty much. Like, if you're going to hit him in the head with a weight plate and it's a manager, we should never – and he, he didn't even do that. He hit his move on him. He hit the, the ego's edge after he hit him with the weight plate as well. Uh, the stuff with the, the handcuffs was kind of contrived uh, by Page. Uh, and I know him saying, fuck you, like when they asked him to quit was supposed to be this big moment. And it worked for the crowd, you know, obviously to me, it was just kind of very cheesy. And like, that's kind of how I described this match. The effort was high. There was some really good wrestling. I think if these two guys, especially Nice, I think is kind of underrated <laughs> as, as a wrestler. Uh, I think he's a really good talent. Page, I think, is basically average. But here he was in a situation where he got to display all of his character work. He had the big blade job. They did some crazy moves. He did the dive through the middle ropes and hitting it into the cutter through the two tables and stuff. Uh, so you had your big spots. The effort was there. I settled in on three stars. I think the match was very disjointed. They had a million ideas and they were probably happy with it afterwards. But to me, I just I kind of came away not knowing what to make of it. Was it? And I was like, because sometimes by the end of it, I thought you could argue this was a two star match or, you know, it could be it could be a below average match or a great match. So I just kind of settled in the middle with the three stars. I still liked it a little better than you, but I respected the effort. There was too much dumb stuff that held it back, however. And I think it would have been better if they just made it simple, you know, keep it simple, stupid. Like sometimes because this was anything but simple with everything going on in the match and everything they want. And they tried to accomplish so many things that I don't think anything. Well, I mean, there was a couple of things that really 
came out, and I definitely the Sky and Page reunion was really cool. But everything else, I don't think anything was quite as good as it could have been if they had focused on less. Yeah, so no, I think you nailed it. Yeah, and it's nice to, that they did have a feud somewhat. Again, I I just think I quit was a step too far, and I definitely think bashing somebody's head in with the weight plate was, was too hard. Oh, <laughs> I looked it up. The weight plate was not as heavy as the stairs used in tables, ladders, chairs, and stairs. So okay. they may be back from the injury. Okay, okay, cool. <laughs> what was this, a 10-pound a weight, 20-pound? Like, that's not even I, that impressive. I have you no know? clue. <laughs> it should have been 100 pounds <laughs> on there. Uh, but anyway, next match, Nyla Rose versus Vert Vixen. Uh, the, what did the inmates give that last match, too? I, let me look at that score here. You gave it a uh, 7.26, and then Meltzer gave it a four and a quarter. Yeah, Meltzer really liked that match. Well, he's a, he, Meltzer always gives love to plunder matches. Like, he's given a lot to Edge and Orton over the years, so that's not that surprising. Uh, 20 minutes, you know, there, too. It felt longer, but still... Uh, 7.26, not outrageous. I probably went a little lower on it, and, and you definitely did. Uh, the six-man tag, 6.38, that's pretty fair. Uh, Rose and Vert, not even five minutes, not even three minutes, so they you, you can't give a rating. But to me, I mean, it was a squash match. Like I don't have any real thoughts on it. No, um, this, and then they had Taya do a squash, squash as well, um, which both of these matches were – made me think Billy was winning, that they were building up monsters me for too. Billy. Me That's too, yeah. A, yep, and so I was very surprised by the end result, but again, um, Athena clearly needs new opponents, and she might be turning like kind of your, you know, Adam Cole heel baby face, or scumbag, MJF champ, whatever, um, just in terms of being that tweener. So bringing in a, a Taya and a Nyla, um, I think those could be great matchups on paper, you know, and Neither are really doing anything right now on in AEW. Um, and uh, like, you know, we were talking about your Usain Page earlier, right? Pretty average. And I agree with that. Um, I think he has shown much better stuff off in his Evolve run and even in his yeah. uh, Impact run as tag champs with what? Alexander, they're called like the North or whatever. Yeah, the North. Yeah, they were a great team. Like, that, that's old fair. Monster something. Yeah, Monster Machine, something, something like that. Oh, man, yeah. Well, uh, but, like, look. Paige really reminds me of a Drew McIntyre in the sense of when he was brought into AEW, like, this was years ago, right? Um, yeah, Monster Mafia. Was Monster Mafia, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he, uh, he had a lot of hype because it was kind of like a coup of him coming over from Impact, right? And like he definitely had hype coming behind him because, you know, this is back when the big AEW signings were a uh, Eddie Kingston or Matt Hardy, which, you know, isn't to disparage. But now it's Edge, Brian Danielson. Right. The names have gotten much bigger. Um, And I feel like Paige just never found his footing, uh, much like, you know, McIntyre in his first run. So I like that he's in ROH and he's he's trying to, you know, really improve himself like I admire the fuck out of that, and I really hope he's able to find that success. Um, he so, came yeah, across – I just want to say real, real quick on that. Uh, I'll talk about it after the show, but on the post-show scrum, he really has a likable energy to him. Like while watching him on, in the press conference, uh, you could tell – uh, you know, he's got a pretty good personality, even on the mic. I like him on the mic well enough, like uh, on promos in the ring. I've never been super impressed by him. I think a tag team is his best spot personally. 
especially with a guy like Alexander, who is a great wrestler. Uh, I thought that they were a really good team. You have the talker who can hold his own. He's not bad at all in the ring. Uh, and in a plunder match, I think that's his thing because in Evolve, you had the stuff with Darby, which was just insanity personified pretty much. And he could do plunder stuff and crazy spots and really get the most out of himself. And like you said, maybe with this Ring of Honor run, maybe you'll see improvements with that as well. So, yeah, shout out to, shout out to Ethan Page, even though, again, the match was disjointed. They tried so many things, but it wasn't the fault of the performers, either him or Nice. At least somebody I think is underrated personally. Um, but yeah, uh, by the way, too, I would have liked to, I like Vert Vixen, by the way, I think that's somebody they should give a bigger spot to, even though she just got squashed here. Um, Hey, Defy Women's Champion. Yeah. Defy used to be my local promotion. I'm a big Vert fan. It was cool to see her get some shine in Tokyo Joshi earlier this year as well. I, if I'm not mistaken, I think she works in video games as well. So double shout out Vert. Oh, that's true. Yeah. You can relate to that very much. Uh, yeah, she her gimmick in Women of Wrestling is like glitch the gamer. So she she brings her work into her indie run here uh, coming in. I think she's into cosplay and video games and all that stuff uh, as well. But I like her as a wrestler well enough as well. Uh, so I, I think, think she's somebody you could really you could really go somewhere with if they wanted to give her a spot. But Nyla Nyla's another one, uh, much like uh, Ethan in the press conference. If you look at Nyla on Twitter. She's really like amusing, like very entertaining personality and stuff like that. Now it doesn't really fit with her monster type of gimmick they had for her as a heel, <laughs> but as a as a like a like fun, you know, funny type of person, I think Nyla could get over as a babyface uh, overall. But uh, the match, unfortunately, was just a squash, uh, more or less. Uh, they had the TV title, and the whole deal with that was an AEW. Joe was like. I don't want this. And so he laid down the TV title and he's like, I got bigger fish to fry. I'm going after the AEW title. And so now we need a new TV champion. And we do the survival of the fittest. Uh, A gimmick from the original Ring of Honor, like the old days we gave and all that stuff uh, they're bringing in. So the rules of this were, uh, you know, six people were in this match. And listen to this lineup they they formulated here. Lee Moriarty, Lee Johnson, no more Lees, only those two. Uh, Commander, Dalton Castle, Brian Keith, and Kyle Fletcher. And every match, it was an elimination match, pretty much. And the last one standing is, is the winner. Um, first of all, can we shout out Brian Keith? Dude, can yes. You, Fucking yeah, like local wrestling, New Texas Pro Champion. That's my fucking guy, dude. He had a match. He dropped on my radio radar during some New Texas stuff, and then it was when GCW was running Texas. Um, and it was it was like him versus AJ Gray, and it was the best AJ Gray match I've ever seen. And they just did a fucking twenty minute Kings Road ass beater, and I was like. Who is this guy? I need to watch all of his work. Then I started watching all of his matches on IWTV. You could catch some really good shit in uh, the the Time Bomb Pro Show, Violence is Forever, where you had Garini versus Suzuki. You also have Keith versus Kevin Koo in an unreal match. Um, you know, this guy, I think right now, is the best dude on the indies. Uh, he's going to DDT now. Um, his gimmick is 
awesome. The bounty hunter dude, like he is one of those sort of like out there characters that's able to really embed himself though in any environment. Um, he wrestled on the pre-show against Jack Cartwheel in a good match. And then yeah. dude, he came on here in his home fucking state and he lasted until what? He he was third to or he was the last uh, penultimate elimination. So, yeah. I mean, he was over his shit and man, fighting Danielson everything like I see this guy's stock just increasing through the roof over time. If you look at like the actual free agents on the indies with like true fucking mat in ring quality, like it's hard to think of someone above Keith right now. That's my rant. <laughs> oh, Brian, Brian Keith's awesome. And man, we heard still Tiffin on TV in 2023 because of this man, because of his theme song, which <laughs> a, how could you not love that at the end of the day? You know, like shout out Paul Wall for that. Shout out Slim Thug too. I was big in the H down rap scene at that time. So we get Mike Jones still tipping on there. Shout out Mike uh, Jones. Yeah, all, all of them, all the H Town guys. Uh Chameleon Air, Lil Flip. I, I loved all those guys back in the day. Uh UGK. But Brian Keith, man, that that brother freaking rules in the ring. Uh Kyle Fletcher, uh amazing guy. Uh, commander he's an interesting dude uh, too because he's like this high-flying guy and but he's like they he's another guy they just kind of throw in whenever they need an extra guy they're like oh put commander in there um lee moriarty like you know a, a technical guy got some swag to him uh lee johnson young uh, young guy in the come up don castle he's a veteran of ring of honor uh you know it's all right. Uh, you know, I'm not a big fan of his these days, especially, but he came in in the match, utilized his charisma. They got him out kind of early. Uh, but still, this match, this was a good-ass match, man. I, I like this a lot. Uh, I was a little bit surprised that they went with Fletcher so early. I thought Keith was going to win it. Uh, and when he got eliminated, I was really surprised that it came down to, to Fletcher and Commander at the end. Um, because I think Keith has the look and everything you want, uh, the experience, and and I thought he would be a great guy. Hey, th- he's kind of new. Put the title on him right away. Let's see how far we can go with him. Instead, they go with Fletcher, who's like off and on in the Don Callis geek club that, that he's that he's formulating, uh, and he's doing his thing. Uh, promos, he has a long way to go. Uh, like him on the mic is not getting it done at all. Uh, with Kyle Fletch, but. He, in the ring, he's a special talent. Uh, a lot of stuff happened here. Uh, the fans loved Castle early on. Uh, they got him out right away, uh, pretty much. Uh, Moriarty, they gave a little bit too early on. He's a guy that I think has uh, a lot of upside. He's been hanging back because you have guys like Yuda, Danny Garcia. He's of that vein of like a technical guy, but he's got charisma to him too. Uh, and I think they've done a great job of AEW and really – uh, utilizing Yuda and Garcia and helping them grow. But, hey, they haven't given Moriarty the same, but I think he's got the same level of upside as those guys uh, overall. So it was good to see him get an elimination. Uh, didn't get the win. In the end, it came down to Commander and Fletcher. And Commander looked good. Uh, he came in with that wild, uh, like, leaping into the Canadian Destroyer deal. Um, they were flying back and forth with 450s. And uh, then Fletcher got the big tombstone pod driver to get the win here. Uh, so I really like this match. 
I thought it put Fletcher over well. It would have put over either of them well. Like if Commander had won, if Brian Keith had won, whoever had won, it was going to make them look good because you go through the six-man elimination match. It makes it feel like you earned this title. And I really like that part of this. I really like this stipulation, even though it's not like a gimmick, but it's a good stipulation. Elimination match, six men, you come out, you look like you did something by winning this title. And hopefully we see that more. Uh, what'd you think? Dude, these guys wrestled the match of their fucking lives. Like this was, this was fire. Um, I love this, this match. This was <laughs> remarkable. I thought that this absolutely recaptured the the Kingo um, Toru standard, which was really nice. Like, I mean, I think that there, you know, like any card, right? There's um, peaks and dives, and the way that they had their peaks here. The next one I would say was the, the you know fight to honor Jay Briscoe, but dude, the the highs on this show are some of the highest highs of the year. Um, yeah. I, I would give this four and three quarters. Like this really, you love this match, brother. Yeah. Thing. Um, it, it reminded me of like an early on elimination chamber where for me, I thought it was for sure castle winning. Um, so when Lee Moriarty eliminated Dalton castle, like dude, I lit up with excitement. I was, cause I was like, yeah. I have no fucking clue who's winning. And, you know, the closer it got to Fletcher, I was like, no, not him, not him. But yeah. it was never out of like a like a Miz sense, right? Like, not this fucking guy. It was like, not him. He's a bastard. But, <laughs> you know, also like Aussie Open has maybe had one of the best years for a tag team in terms of like um, their Royal Quest match with FTR or whatever being called amazing. But like they both have had really bad injuries this year right like fletcher got hurt in the or fletcher got or no yeah or got hurt early on so davis was in yeah, the davis got hurt the yeah. new japan cup and he made it to the fucking semifinals and fought osprey and then they they reteam sign with aew capture gold um you know they wrestle on wembley even though it wasn't the best thing um and then davis gets hurt and now Fletcher's a fucking single star or singles champion. Like with tag teams, you never really see the, the guys stand on their own two feet so well and so quickly as these two guys have. Um, yeah. And I think they've both absolutely like proved their worth and increased their stock this year. Um, you know, I'm looking at the cage match results right now and Fletcher eliminated Keith at 1652, which yeah. means that Fletcher and commander wrestled almost 10 minutes after. And yeah, they had their own match. After, yeah. And that 10 minutes was one long finishing sequence that never yeah. took the fucking foot off the gas. Like, like I said, commander really, we talk about him as a we'll throw him in guy, but dude, he wrestled the fucking match of his life here. I could not yeah. believe it. Fletcher being the base for him and Fletcher is a crazy bumper. Those super tombstones like this was peak PWG right here. Um, I loved Lee Moriarty getting two eliminations, like seeing him get some shine was really nice. I'm a big Lee fan. Um, yeah, yeah, me too. And dude, even fucking and then Keith getting an elimination still as an unsigned talent is huge. And then Fletcher getting those last two, you know, I thought getting the pin on Keith perfectly set up this third act of Fletcher being the big bastard and Commander yeah. being the ultimate True. underdog. Good um, and just like they had, you know, with the Texas crowd, they were really putting over Commander. And then also like Fletcher came out in some new looking gear and paint that yeah. kind of remind, reminded me of, you know, Devitt. 
So I thought that was interesting as well to to get that, you know, quiet character progression as well. So, dude, I really have nothing but positive things to say about this. This is fucking awesome. Yeah, totally agree. I thought it started off not like it was it was good, but it wasn't like spectacularly great until after Castle got eliminated, especially with the way he got eliminated was like this stupid uh, Johnny TV deal. Uh, oh, that they yeah. had uh and the crowd booed that, that so so much that that got the most heat when castle got eliminated uh there the whole match uh but once that happened they got all that out of the way i mean the final four were just freaking awesome they killed it uh and yeah like you said keith getting the elimination was freaking cool lee moriarty got the other eliminations early on uh lee johnson again he's like the least established of these guys but i like him well enough uh, I think he's got a good future to him as well. I, I like what I see whenever I see Lee Johnson wrestle. Uh, these guys are doing some big things here. And uh, Fletcher, like you said, good point. <laughs> the more I like it because it got him away from like, oh, here's this like junior Will Ospreay that we have here, which is kind of what he was doing before. Um, getting away from that, I think, is a great move for his career. And like you said, it was more of a debit. And maybe he could grow into it, make it his own unique thing later as we go along. But I like the tribute. I like the the way he, he did it here. And when he wrestles, damn, this guy has got a lot of talent. Uh, Fletcher deserves it. Uh, again, I would have went with Keith, but that doesn't mean anything's wrong with Fletcher at all. Or even Commander, if he had won. Uh, like, I thought he did a great job as well. It would be nice to see one of the, these utility guys actually, like, get a big win, like a big title, uh, just to make them mean a little bit more. But still, Fletcher, you know they've got big plans for him. With Osprey coming in, I bet that there's people in that company that see Fletcher and are like, damn, this guy could be a main event talent one day for us. Like it'd be in big matches with Omega. He's young so. too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Young. Um, and then I also wanted to shout out, they had those promos before the match. Yeah. It was like that sort of collision style. Um, you know, Fletcher's like, I'm going to bring back gold to the Don Callis family. Um, you know, Dalton Castle gives a, a fucking amazing promo. I really, really liked that as well. Um, yeah, I thought too. it was like the perfect opening slate. And yeah, also agreed. I forgot about the Johnny TV stuff, actually. So that definitely was a slow opening there. But and, you know, when Dalton got eliminated, it almost felt not like a not like a heel moment, but almost an audience rejecting what was happening. Yeah. yeah like yeah. A, a Danielson getting eliminated from the rumble or a Rey Mysterio coming out. Right. And I mean, that's pretty much the worst fucking thing is when the crowd turns on the actual product and dude, <laughs> the way they got this crowd back into the match almost immediately is such a testament to the, just the quality again. Um, this at yeah. 26 minutes. Can't believe it. You know. Oh, and that t- and what you said at the end with them being ten minutes—I didn't even think about that. I would have never have guessed that. Like it's like the opposite no. of that—the uh, the I Quit match where I thought it was longer than it was. If you had said that was a three-minute finishing sequence, Dude, I would have. Yes. You. Yeah, <laughs> yes. You know, they got so much shit in, and it yeah. was like the amount of times I thought it was over too. Like, dude, so many great false finishes, and like. I've never seen Commander and Fletcher work together before, but dude, like that, it felt like they've wrestled a hundred times before. They were just crisp. Um, so yeah, hyped as hell on that. Yeah, this was a fantastic match. Uh, I gave it four and a quarter, so a little lower than you, but still a great match overall. And the the inmates agreed eight point two nine. 
uh, the high mark of the show so far. Uh, and it deserves it. That was a, a great match. Like, big win for Kyle. And like you said, he's so young. This is a big vote of confidence for him. And like I said, I could easily see them wanting to make this guy a main event player one day. Although I think he's still got a ways to go on the mic, as, as I said earlier, before, before we get there. But still, in ring, he's got what it takes, for sure. Uh, good stuff there for all, all of them. Uh, up next, we, we had that amazing match here. And like you said, there's some peaks and valleys sometimes. So they got off of that, and they moved to the complete opposite of this insane <laughs> Fletcher and Commander match with a pure rules match. Uh, Wheeler Yuta defending the title against Tom Lawler. Uh, Filthy Tom getting a shot here in Ring of Honor. He seems like a guy who they flirted with uh, with stuff before. He's been in all these places, definitely most prominently New Japan Strong, uh, also MLW as well. But he's had his spots here and there in Ring of Honor and AEW, but he's never really gotten a big run here. And here he gets the title match here, the pure title match. But they, they're trying to make Yuta like the heel pure champion here, which kind of goes against like a lot of what he, he did on AEW at first. They've, then they went full heel with BCC and now they're kind of in this ambiguous, mostly babyface state of BCC, but he is being the little shit as Brian Danielson called him before. I uh, hear this match trying to do the heel stuff. Uh, they had a spot early on where he did like, you know, he gave a, a punch behind the ref's back, but then when Filthy Tom got him back, the, the ref turned around and saw it. Again, a lot of this stuff is very basic stuff that was kind of played out 20, 30 years ago, in my opinion. But still, it was well done, I would say. And then they did a thing where the ending was so messed up, uh, where he did the seatbelt clutch, but Filthy Tom <laughs> was like, clearly, like, <laughs> like clearly his shoulders were up and he was in the ropes. So like all of this got messed up. Uh, and then they made hook look like a geek afterwards. And he just came out and you just clocked him and knocked him out. Like what? I don't know. I, I thought this was kind of disappointing because when you see these get names on paper, you expect a great match. And I don't think we got that. I, uh, so this was admittedly the hashtag Nella went out to get food match of the pay-per-view. <laughs> yeah. Um, she texted me that. With that yeah, I, I needed a, I needed a burger and a cigarette after the survival of the fittest. No, I, I didn't need a cigarette, but yeah, I went out to get food. Um, honestly, I think that you could have flipped this match with the, with Keith Lee and Shane Taylor, um, yeah. in terms of following survival of the fittest, very hard to go from a six man elimination to a pure rules match. Um, you know, Lee and Shane Taylor is an ROH match that has so much ROH history. I think it would have been much easier to segue into that because you could have pivoted from in-ring insanity to deep storytelling um, versus just the complete opposite in-ring style. Um, I can't comment on anything in ring, unfortunately. I just straight up did not yeah. see this match. I'm happy Tom Lawler got on the show. I mean, what? He yeah. got moved from... He was supposed to face Cole on Forbidden Door. Something got removed. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He was right. supposed yeah. to be on fucking another show as well and got removed um, like last minute as well, right? Um, Wembley or I can't remember. Something else. But he was supposed to be on it again and it got removed again. So third time's the charm. Like, dude, I love Filthy Tom. Um, I, I hope that he is yeah, able to find a spot here. 
Um, you know, he's had some truly remarkable matches, but I feel like he's yet to really outside of new Japan strong, which, you know, wasn't the exposure level that I quite hoped for. Um, and I'm not going to pretend that I watched the whole team filthy reign. Um, but I feel like he's yet to really find that prime spot for himself. You know, he's been an MLW mainstay shout out filthy Island from the pandemic area uh, era, but yeah, I, I'm waiting for Tom to hit his stride, you know? Yeah, I would have liked this match a lot better if the finish hadn't have been so bad, in my opinion. And, and the post-match, I didn't think it accomplished anything. And I like these guys. I Yuta is like one of my guys in AEW. I always enjoy him. Uh, really? I don't know if he's the best choice for, like, the bad guy pure champion overall. Like, uh, he's better. Like, I thought the best we saw of him when he was the... Crazy, like the underdog who's bloodied and you know, fighting Brian and, and Moxley. Like, that was amazing stuff. I don't think as a heel, he really works as well personally uh, going in. But I also don't, I'm happy that Filthy Tom got the spot. Don't get me wrong. But their whole story has been about him and Hook. This is final battle. Play off your storyline. Like, pay it off on the biggest show. Like, put some care into your biggest show <laughs> again. That's the only thing I wanted. Instead, uh, he came in. They messed up the finish. Um, you know, he's he's going after Filthy Tom again, about to beat the hell out of him. Hook comes in. Yuta drops him uh, and just walks off with the title. And it's like, what did that serve? You just made Hook look goofy. I yeah, don't know. I th- no, 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 I agree. Like, it's weird to have the whole thing going on with the, you know, the title that literally has pure in the name. Um, yeah. Sort of reminds me of like Jericho when he was like, I'm the least honorable Ring of Honor champion. Um, well, and, and even back in the old days, like the original pure title, you had stuff like Nigel with the freaking curling iron, uh, you know, like as, as his main weapon. So he was like clearly a like his he, the heat of that was this is the pure title. This is about real graps. And then we have the champion who's like the ultimate sports entertainment dickhead using a ridiculous iron as a weapon. <laughs> Dude, yeah, and like for Yuta, for me, it almost feels like he was an underdog. Then he got beat down to shit. And like, if we're doing that, um, the the alignment thing, right? Like, Claudio would be neutral evil. Danielson yeah. is lawful evil. I would say Moxley is like chaotic neutral, and then Yuta now is straight up chaotic evil. Where it's like he can do whatever he wants because if you fuck with him, you know, you literally have Brian Danielson, Claudio Castagnoli, and John Moxley behind him. Yeah. Um, he's he's absolutely, you know, I, I don't remember if it was this year, but if it was this year, it's a strong contender for my promo of the year. But him saying, I'm on the 96 Bulls, baby, I think yeah, is the perfect defining thing for him where he's like. He knows who he's with and he knows what he's able to get away with as a result. And dude, he is just stopped fucking caring. Like he is the biggest chicken shit. I love it. Uh, but I, I agree. It's weird. And this pure title thing, the whole um, ROH pure versus FTW is very strange because it's like, you know, going to be done under FTW rules. This just makes me think that hooks probably leaving the company. Um, or maybe going to do something else. I, I don't know. Like, I've heard rumors that, you know, Taz wants him to go to NXT. I have no fucking clue if that's true. Um, but I also think that Hook might be someone who, you know, he has never really gotten that 
big shine yet in AEW. He's had some cool matches yeah. and stuff with Bronson, you know, at the Grand Slam and shit. But I think he is like the opposite Lexus King. I think if he went to NXT, he could become very big um, in terms of that. Like, uh, I think some of these younger guys, like, you know, it's really like your Garcia, your Moriarty, your Yudas. I think these guys are very fit for AEW swerves. Right. Yeah, I like agree. Building the future there. But then your people who were more um, MJF. Uh, Jesus, who was I just fucking talking about? Oh, Hook. Hook? Yeah. Um, God, who's the other guy? Sammy Guevara. I think these are all <laughs> who would get who would get over more with WWE audiences, and I think that they would just do better in their system. Um, because right now it's like there are other versions of them in the company already that I think are outclassing them, whether it's a Christian versus MJF or yeah. a um you know, like who's your silent badass type in comparison to a hook, you know, like, I, I don't know, but these guys are not getting the exposure they need. I think in to properly develop, I should. And say. that's the problem. I, I think that I, that's where I'm at. I think Jade I mean, as well. Jade he, as well. Yeah, yeah. And that's who I was going to compare him to. <laughs> like, because when hook came in, he was super over with the audience. Like everybody went crazy for him. You had the send hook memes coming out. Like he was super popular. The problem is, is like Jade who also came in and, and had a great debut and everyone loved her look and, and all that. Then you just have hook. He should be having big matches all the time, even if they're not televised, like, you know, just working with different people trying to grow. Instead, they constantly have him doing squash matches that make him look good, cool. And to a certain extent, you had the tag match with, with Action Bronson, like you said, and that's great. But you're not giving him a chance to develop here, which is what they need to be doing. This should have been. Uh, a 15 minute match with Yuta where they do what they need to do. And maybe, maybe hook isn't that great at some of this pure rule stuff, but that's okay because he's still early on. It's in ring of honor. You could afford to let him slip up a little bit and then use that to grow to where hopefully in a year or two, you could push him up and he's ready finally, because he's not ready right now and they haven't done a good job of utilizing him. And that initial, surge of popularity that hook had it went down and lower and lower and lower like it, they haven't been able to maintain it because of them but more than anything wrong with him per se it's just they're not giving him a chance to develop properly in my opinion yeah no and again it's it's totally in the name of development i would say wardlow's another one um you know these are guys who um I think it's just the whole being in a system that is fully concentrated on developing you versus TV, right? AEW yeah. is not a developmental system. Um, they're a main roster fucking television, right? Um, and I don't think that you will get the same and necessary reps in a Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor feels way more useful for seasoned talents like an Ethan Page and Athena to try and find that sort of career resurgence, right? Um, and yeah, I don't know. I, I, I would like to see these people in NXT, honestly. I think especially on the CW, dude. Hook, are you fucking kidding me? 
Um, yeah, yeah, he'd be perfect for that. Yeah, yeah. and it's it's nothing anti AEW. It's just that, dude, we have so many people on all these shows, and there are shows like NXT where they could use some better new people, and there are shows like AEW where they have way too many fucking people. Even with yeah, absolutely agree. Um, but yeah, and now we can talk about the match that I unfortunately got back in time for Shane Taylor versus Keith Lee. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that ended, and they told a little bit of a story. I like that they at least attempted to add some backstory to this, where Shane Taylor's pissed because they were riding high in Ring of Honor. Uh, they were a tag team. They were best friends, and everything was great. And then Lee went to Keith Lee went to WWE and left Taylor on his own. And he's like, man, this sucks. I mean, this story should have been told like a year ago when Keith Lee first came in. But whatever. <laughs> like uh, overall, like we he waited a whole year <laughs> to get revenge. And now he is. Uh, but they come in here. And they do a spot where and this is like a typical big guy type of match. Uh, they do some good stuff here. Uh, and then Lee, Lee Moriarty comes in. Uh, to try to side with uh, Taylor, pretty much. Uh, Keith Lee hit a big power bomb on uh, Moriarty. Uh, Taylor used that distraction to get the edge there, and he hits the big Canadian destroyer off the top, which was incredible uh, coming in. But then, of course, they kind of gets no sold a little bit. Uh, Keith's back up, hits the big bang for the win. Uh, this has a low rating on cage match for 4.81. And it seems like you were not impressed either, but I'll, I'll let you say your piece here first. I, okay. I'll say this first, but I think cage match has a pretty nasty bias towards Shane Taylor. Um, just in general, I, for some reason, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, admittedly, I'm not a big Shane Taylor fan. Um, like you're on I, their side. <laughs> no, well, I liked him more in Ring of Honor before it came under Tony Khan. I thought he was way oh, okay. more interesting. Shane Taylor Enterprises. Well, that's true. Yeah, when yeah. he was you're right TV champion, mm. I thought he was an even better in-ring performer. Um, you know, going back to the story, they didn't it was Shane Taylor and one other guy, maybe his name was Darius something. I can't fucking remember. I feel really bad. Um, and they fought Swerve in Our Glory on final battle. Right. And it was like, no one expected it to be that good. It was like a pretty damn good match. And then the whole story was Shane Taylor's mad at Keith Lee for this. And I'm like, dude, you spent a whole other year of your career just fucking being pissed off at Keith Lee. And you know, it's one of those things where I think it's very strange, right? Because Keith Lee, Oh, you're talking about JD Griffey. JD Griffey. I was thank, so, thank you. I was so impressed was by awesome. him. Like in that match. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, man, wh- where's he at? <laughs> like now. He, and he was like, God, damn, for some reason, I feel like he like wrestled barefoot, kind of like movie tie outfit or whatever. But he yeah, really he was freaking cool. cool. Yeah, I liked yep. him a lot. And that different. was the first time I ever saw him. Yeah. J.D. Yeah. Griffey, where is that brother at? He needs to be on, on Ring of Honor. That's why I was fucking confused when Lee Moriarty came out. I was like, did they get rid of the other guy? But um, yeah, I did not like the Moriarty interference. Um, this No, that's where things went suffered, south. Yeah, I thought from identity. Like it didn't know if it wanted to be a big man match. It didn't know if it wanted to be a Keith Lee die Jack, you know, bola match. Um, and I think Shane Taylor's offense is so goddamn limited right now where it's going to be elbow smash, shoulder tackle. Like it's just the same shit. Um, and I think that especially after the Samoa Joe match, what is there to invest in Shane Taylor, right? He's coming in as like this sort of pseudo 
babyface. I don't really know. Keith Lee doesn't really seem to have much presence here other than I pissed off Shane Taylor years ago. And Shane Taylor comes in. He like kisses his children at ringside. He's there. Yeah. He's the hometown <laughs> guy. And it's like, okay, but you're telling me that you're pissed off at this guy for seven fucking years because he got a job offer that offered more money and he was able to go and he had to leave then in order to accept it. Like that's selfish. Like, Dude, being upset is absolutely valid. But if you're going to hold on to that grudge, what that shows me is an inability to grow. Um, that need to move forward was not expressed in this match. Uh, Keith Lee getting a clean ass pin over Shane Taylor after interference. Like, dude, this guy spent how many years being pissed off as Keith Lee and he lost the singles match. For yeah. me, I'm like, this feels like Shane Taylor is done wrestling. I don't see how this ta- like Keith Lee's not going to stay in Ring of Honor. Shane Taylor's not going to go to the main uh, to to Dynamite or AEW. So I'm like, what does this do for Shane Taylor? They basically just had an outside guy and just beat him and his entire character and everything he's about. So what's next? You know, um, I thought Lee Moriarty walked out of this night looking better than Taylor did. Um, you know, and it's I think it's just all of that really, again, like, is Shane Taylor the good guy or not? You know, he comes out, he kisses his kids ringside, but then again, he interferes like nothing really makes sense. And it feels like Keith Lee, Keith Lee was there to simply like fulfill a contract obligation. <laughs> yeah. Well, this, to be fair, after the match, they did like show respect and stuff like uh, Keith Lee showed us some depth like afterwards. And uh, like, you know, Keith like pointed to the crowd. So or no, no, uh, Taylor pointed to the crowd. They shook hands and stuff. So uh, I guess he's a baby face again. If he was even a heel in this match, I I don't know. <laughs> no, no. And fair point. It's just like the Lexus King thing where I'm like, Shane Taylor shakes his hand and he's like, you know what, Keith? I just made all this grudge up actually so I could get a match with yeah. you on the final <laughs> battle. Like, what the fuck? It's the same shit where I'm like, you do not come out of this looking any better. And this is a high profile match. Like, even though Keith Lee has not been a constant, he is still a big name in pro wrestling. And what's Keith Lee going to do from this now? He's going to presumably feud with Swerve Strickland. And I don't know what's going to happen for Shane Taylor. But again, and I think I think this was exacerbated by this, by Shane Taylor's hometown presence, by his yeah. family being ringside. It's very Gable and Gunther, right? Where yeah. it's like, why did you set it up all like this? But yeah. Well, this is probably my least favorite. I'd probably give this one a two. I like this match actually. To, to be wow, honest, I th- let's go. I, I, I I'm gonna be honest and uh, be against not just you but the inmates and all of the Shane Taylor haters out there in the world. Uh, I thought for and I mean even Meltzer gave it two and a half here. I thought there was parts and kind of like we said about I mean it's the complete opposite in a lot of ways but like the Vikingo and Taurus match. There was you know in that match. There were spots that were great, and then there were spots that didn't connect because they messed things up or, or something went wrong. Here, there were spots that were great, but then there were some spots where it was like things ground to a halt almost, and that sucks. There was parts – it's a really Jekyll and Hyde match where it was like part of it to me really hit. I mean that flip pile driver off the top was phenomenal. You had Lee do a spot early on where he hit the slingshot over the top uh, just to get a pin cover. They hit. They were hard hitting at times too. They would throw the shoulder blocks. Some of it was basic, yes, 
but for two guys who are as big as them, I can live with that. Just simple powerhouse wrestling where they were flawed to me was the Moriarty st- stuff. Ultimately, I think that's where things went down for me and where it ended up being like, I would have been like, I would have given this a full wreck, you know, like at least three and a half, but Moriarty's interference kind of toned it down. And then the ending, no selling that flip pile driver. That should have been it. Like that should have been the ending to the match to me. If that had ended on that, this would have been memorable. You'd have gotten Shane his win. You could go somewhere with him. Instead, Keith wins. It doesn't mean anything other than, like you said, I don't even know if he's going to feud with Swerve. I think they're going to build to that one match, play off the stuff that that also hasn't been finished. Keith Lee, the king of feuds that <laughs> take years to end and go unmentioned for months at a time as well. Dude, that I is mean, his, his deal. I would also say, like, if if you do Swerve versus MJF, right, leading to Revolution. Yeah. Assuming that Revolution is the pay-per-view after World's End, correct? Yeah, and they don't have any more listed. I think it's going to be Revolution after World's End in March. So, God, so that's okay. That's actually a three month push, which is pretty crazy. That's March fifth. Yeah. So I, I guess you could absolutely fit in a Swerving Keith Lee feud, and then yeah. go into MJF. Um, I think the issue for me is like I would rather have Keith Lee be chasing quote unquote him. <sighs> Right. Like Swerve yeah. is so past moved him. I think that yeah. would be a perfect first opponent for Swerve as a world champion. Yeah, um, I agree. Because with you. I, I think if Swerve goes to fight Keith Lee, it's sort of out of this main event picture that Swerve is now in. And I think that the key is to get Keith Lee into that picture rather than pulling Swerve out of it right now. So I really hope that they build towards it, you know, which is funny to say after two fucking years. Um, yeah. Rather than rushing it now, especially after you've already dropped the MJF swerve seeds. Um, but, dude, I, I agree, too. I want to say, like, the two stars definitely lies in the opening. I love, yeah. love, love. And we saw it again on AEW. Um, God damn it. Who was it? Um, it was last night. Was there a big boy match? Oh, Cage versus Lee. Um, yeah. And, dude, the audience is just now beef. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime they do the shoulder tackles, I love it. Like, dude, yeah. throw the fucking bag at Keith Lee, Big Japan. If you want, I, yeah. Great Kojika, if you were to retire in a fucking mansion, bud, throw the bag at Keith Lee. <laughs> this guy. Oh, my no, God. I, I, I'm a huge fan of Keith Lee. I think he could definitely be a worthy main eventer. They haven't used him near as much as they should have, in my opinion, like, or they could have. But he is a guy that I see a lot in. Uh, you know, very unique style, uh, especially for a big guy. Uh, I think the world of him is their talent. I think Shane Taylor is a good talent. Uh, I don't know how many plans they have for him. I mean, he went through that weird phase where he had the white hair and all of that. Uh, you know, I think that really soured some people on him just by the look alone. But as a talent, I think that brother can work. And uh, Shane Taylor, I'm a fan of as well. I like him. And uh, hopefully we can see some good stuff. From both for both men, the finish was underwhelming for sure. <laughs> I went with the three stars uh, for me, so I'm a full star different than you. Uh, I think, it, and it was nearing being higher. I thought the Moriarty stuff drug it down, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, the, after the match, Keith uh, showed him some love, uh, gave him some dap, lifted him up. It was good stuff. Uh, that end. Uh, then Brian Keith, they cut to him, and he's like, "I want gold." And Arge Cassidy's like, "Hey, I got a title." What you want to fight for it? And Keith's like, yeah, yeah, that, that's exactly what I had in mind, actually. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. And just to swerve back, uh, no, no pun intended on Swerve Strickland, but to swerve back to your point on Yuta, if he's on the 96 Bulls, is he the Tony Kukoc of wrestling? Yeah, I mean, he's definitely not Pippin, Robin, or fucking Jordan, I can tell you that. So. Uh, <laughs> like, so he's he's, he's got to be the Kukoc. Uh, yeah. uh, maybe Which Steve is- Kerr. Uh, not that at all, dude. Like, definitely, yeah. you're 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 rightfully a legend as well. You got the rings, just yeah. <laughs> you're just um, not the the, the dude. Uh, you're you're not the MJ. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm I'm just saying, man. He's uh, not here, but dude. Okay. By the way, congrats. Yeah. Uh, not not to segue. This is our basketball update. Congrats yes. on John Morant being back in your game winner. How the fuck did that? Yes. <laughs> uh, hey. That Big Twelve is back, <laughs> it, it, man. Hey, it's a party in my city right now. Listen, John Morant, game changer. Like this team, totally different. Undefeated since he came back, three and zero. Just had another one. <laughs> that game winner. We came back for twenty four points down uh, and put that fraud Zion Williamson in his place uh, in there with, with Ja. Could you know he couldn't handle Ja uh, at the end of the day. Last game. Uh, we were down by 12 against Atlanta. Still came back. Desmond Bain killing it. Jaw fired up. He had a huge uh, look up the highlights. The alley oop. Uh, Aldama threw. Uh, Jaw leaped up like 10 feet in the air almost to slam it down. It was badass. This Grizz. I'm super fired up for for the Grizzlies after that. Yeah. <laughs> is Marcus Smart yeah. coming back soon, or is he back already? No, he ain't back yet, but he'll be back soon. Uh, D Rose coming back soon. Brandon Clark coming back at the All Star break. Steven Adams, Aquaman, unfortunately not coming back this year, but everybody else should be back uh, by the All Star break. So this team, awesome. look out, people! <laughs> look out, people! Don't play. Don't worry about the in season tournament, the play in days, the playoff days. We're coming. So shout out to the Grizzlies. I love them. <laughs> when you said Zion Williamson, <laughs> I don't know why, but it just popped in my head that awful Stephen A. Smith clip where he's like, the cooks in New Orleans know that he will eat the table. And I just pictured Stephen A. Smith and Meltzer doing a podcast where Stephen A. Smith is like, you know, Dave, the cooks in New Orleans know about Zion Williamson. And then Dave's like, yeah, I actually heard that they had to um, remove Zion's entire stomach during an operation. And then they put it back in. <laughs> Just both no. of them say these totally just out there fucking claims, dude. Like, <laughs> hey, poor guy, dude. That shit's so dumb. Like, I want to see you play a basketball game, Stephen Smith. But I digress. I digress. See, it's this is Stephen A. He is a loud mouth, man. <laughs> like, I, I don't got a lot of respect for him uh, overall. Basketball, uh, you know, Don I- Callis. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> hey, that that could be it. He needs to get like a faction of guys that he always rides with, and uh, like that. Just that's walk like out the yes, exactly. arena to that music. It's like okay, so clearly, like yeah, Draymond, Draymond Green. Green. <laughs> yeah, he's the automatic uh, number one heel. It has to be Draymond <laughs> with Stephen A. James Harden, like <laughs> yes, yes, all yes, totally on point. Uh, is CP3 like? Can we put him oh in there? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Oh my god. Yeah. 
The Stephen A. family. What was it? Was it Warriors versus Suns? And I was watching like it was CP3 walking past Devin Booker, and you can tell he's just talking down to him. He's like, "I'm not on the team anymore. I can big league you." And dude, mm-hmm. anytime Booker would shoot free throws, Paul would walk by him and smack him on the butt each fucking time. And I was like, yeah. "Dude, give it up!" But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, hey, I love I love basketball. We we we're gonna go in on a basketball podcast one day. Uh, here. Uh, but I'm definitely fired up for that now. But hey, shout out, shout out to the 96 Bulls. Although I hate them because they beat my Sonics at the time, uh, you know, at, at the end of the day. So, hey, listen, Hershey Hawkins, Deadless Shrimp, Gary Payton, Sean Kemp. I had his shoes when I was a kid. I uh, used to play with him on NBA Jam uh, there. But the 96 Bulls ruined it. Uh, they, they, they ruined my chance uh, overall. But no. Uh, I was too too young to even worry, but I did have the shoes that they were awesome. But uh, shout out to all of them. Shout out to Brian Keith. He got the match versus OC uh, Collision. Did uh, you see that match? Yeah, um, I thought it was good. Like it's yeah. Right now, I think OC stuff like the the matches are suffering from the sort of same thing in his first reign, where he's doing the weekly matches, but it's sort of without the direction. And I feel like he's pretty much having to run this same sort of story right now of just re-becoming the workhorse. Um, what I like is the matches are good. Like, I even thought the yeah. random one against Angelico on Rampage was nice. Like, you know, wrestling a little more technical, Leveo style. I fuck with that, of course. Like, dude, okay, seeing Negro Costas wrestle live, even though it was against Tony Deppin, which still a great talent, but, like, not the first one you're going to think of wrestling <laughs> Negro Costas, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, true, true. Seeing him yeah. wrestle, like, at midnight WrestleMania weekend, dude, and just feeling like I'm watching... It was like watching a fucking Beethoven play piano or like Bocelli scene. I was like, this is a guy just painting right now in a ring, man. That was so cool to see just like that stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, sorry, what are we talking about again? Orange Cassidy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just uh, the match was good. It wasn't too special. They had like eight or nine minutes, but it was still good. Worth a watch. Uh, OC and Brian Keith uh, on collision uh, there. I just wanted to see if you saw that match because it did happen uh, this week already. Uh, but speaking of art artwork, you know, Beethoven, we had that in violence with the next match. The Blackpool Combat Club versus Mark Briscoe and FTR. I mean, this match <laughs> was so damn great. I love this match. To, to me, it was almost perfect. Like... I don't want to spoil anything for the awards episode coming up uh, in a couple episodes, but if we're talking about this match again on that episode because of me, I wouldn't be surprised is all I'm saying, because I thought this was great. <laughs> Emotional. The, and we have to mention too, even on cage matches split into two matches, even though it's, it's kind of like one, they just restarted it, but whatever. Uh, it's the same match really. Uh, the first part was like a normal match. It ended in a double countout, and Mark Briscoe he got to the mic and was like, "No, this is, fuck this bullshit!" And they came in, a uh, huge brawl. He leapt off and attacked right away. They go into this insane brawl for the last ten minutes of the match. This is a match of the year level match to me. Uh, one of the absolute best. Uh, the emotions of it being the Jay Briscoe match, and I'll say this. Maybe it won't actually be the number one match of the year for me, 
But for the finish, there wasn't a more satisfying ending to a match this year than this one, where you had the chairs. And unlike Neeson Page earlier with the chairs, they actually did hit the chairs this time. He hit the J Driller onto Brian Danielson and got the win. Yep. I love this match so much. Uh, it was so good. Uh, they came up with the chairs. They had a board that was tax. They pile drove uh, Moxley onto the tax and the, the the thing. This was hardcore. It was a brawl. Moxley had a fork in here at one point. Things were just going insane. Oh, what a match. <laughs> Dude, yeah, like, okay, you hyping it this hard. I did give it four and three quarters. I fucking love this match, but yes. I will totally say I was a little fatigued on the pay-per-view. I think this was hour yeah. four. I need I, to stop a, watching pre-shows, but goddamn, yeah. I like them. <laughs> this, is, th- th- this is a problem. Like, a lot of this show that we've gone over, even I defended the Keith and, and Shane Taylor match. But those two matches, if they had cut out Yuta and Lawler and the Shane Taylor match and the squash, even the six-man title match, if they had cut all of those out, this show would not have been any worse for it, and it wouldn't have been a five-hour sh- show along no, with the pre-show. If you had told me like when we sat down and watched this, that final battle was going to be five hours, I would have been like, fuck you. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think it was when Athena and Billy Starks were wrestling. Uh, Walt, my friend Walt, wrestling Walt, shout out Walt. Shout um, out Walt. <laughs> was messaging me like, when the fuck are you hopping on Call of Duty? And I was like, oh, Athena and Billy are going on right now. <laughs> He's like, it's fucking 10 p.m. And I was like, what? Like, what? Um, so, but like, okay. That said, I, I do want to go back and watch it now. But, um, dude, I fucking love this. I honestly, Dylan, I think the only thing that would have made this five stars is that if when the double countout happened, if instead of Mark Briscoe mentioning his late brother, Jay Briscoe, he got on the mic and he said, five more minutes. I think that could have <laughs> really just... No, dude, I, I loved it. Like, this... um. It had the emotion of Fury versus Utami number one with the yeah. absolute insanity and violence of crazy lovers versus astronauts from this year's Sakio Tag League. Like, dude, just the, the whole thing of like them brawling the fuck out. Like the match does not matter. The fight is what matters. Right. Yeah. And um, dude, top to bottom, everything was great. It's one of those matches where you're watching it and you just forget that the shit's you know, not always it's real, you know, (laughs) the the only uh, part, the only part they screwed up with this match was when Dax went over to the girl and with the, with the the phone and bitched about it. It's like, come on, listen, you are having, you are going to have an amazing match. You know, you're doing cool stuff. Like you're going to win them over. Like, don't, don't get mad about it. You're going to win everybody over. Why did you get offended by that? I thought that was so lame. Imagine, I mean, dude, I'm just happy Cash wasn't strapped. You know, we could have got oh, some, oh, we God. could have got some ramp rage. You know what I'm saying on the entrance ramp? Oh, My goodness, um, what a point! <laughs> but no, dude, everything about this was great. Like, it, yeah, yeah, it's absolutely. hard for me to talk about outside of just if you hear "Fight to Honor Jay Briscoe" and you see the names involved in this, there is an expectation they exceeded it. Mark printing, uh, Mark pinning Danielson, beautiful. Oh, like, I loved it. it that was poetry and it's one of those things where the like you know danielson was like pin me <laughs> oh yeah this is a, yeah brian the most unselfish wrestler he's he probably demanded he said i will find you on twitter if you do not pin me in this match here mark briscoe 
And man, uh, everything about this, you had a barbed wire like a ladder at one point in here. It's like they had so much stuff going on in there. I love the spot where he had the. Sorry, real quick, but it looked like they were having fun the whole time too know. you know they That's were <laughs> they they were having fun and i loved it uh this was awesome uh, i love the spot where he had the labelle lock on uh wheeler uh cash and then moxley came in with the barbed wire and put it in his face uh, with the labelle lock uh the chairs were going crazy <sighs> man everything about this match was so good i i love this match match of the year level match maybe anywhere like i said to me not not even just in america uh, this will be remembered. I promise you that uh, at the end of the day, uh, wonderful match and a great emotion. And, and what a nice way to get behind it overall. But what you said about the show being long is absolutely valid. Like it, it true. Uh, I will say, I wish that it hadn't have been that way for this match, but still it, it doesn't matter to me. I loved it. four and three quarters. Absolutely right. Uh, cage match inmates 9.11 Meltzer gave it four and three quarters so we're all kind of on the same page this match was good just a little bit short for being a perfect match but it's as close as you could get to me uh, overall just a ton of fun just a fun fun match here um they did the proving ground match with eddie kingston and anthony henry oh, I, I get it you want a buffer match between this insane match and the and the the women's match. I didn't think you needed it at all, though. I didn't like, think so. It's totally dude, different yeah, match. Yeah. The yeah. adrenaline you're feeling from the fight without honor, yeah. and I think because it's very contained within a Jay Briscoe tribute, right? There's yeah. no other shit attached to it other than these are six men fighting for love of the game, which I love that that's becoming like something they're saying on TV now, post Briscoe yeah. and Lethal, um, yeah. for the love of the game. And like, Athena and Starks is such like that's your main event, right? I did not think yeah. you needed this buffer whatsoever. Um, it, I think it made it harder for Athena and Billy to start off. I agree. So, I totally agree with that. <laughs> and I get it. You want the ch- again? This ch- almost made a mockery of the title. Like we're gonna have you on, but you aren't gonna defend the title. It's gonna be a meaningless match that di- was not even worth talking about. There was nothing in this match that was even a little bit special. <laughs> Unfortunately, nothing against Anthony Henry, uh, a, a fine talent at Kingston. We all love so much, but this was just not it uh, at the time. And I, I totally agree with what you said. It would have been so much better. <laughs> the wave of emotion from the last match, the crowd would have been rocking. And you had the one match on the show, really with a truly <laughs> like fleshed out story for the main event and not one that was like, Oh, that's true a year ago, but now we're bringing it back for, for this or the page. Like, Oh, you know, you're not in shape. Like this is a really fleshed out story uh, with dominion and things like that. You could have gone right to that and been fine. Uh, the inmates were right. Uh, to me, this is a two and a half star match. Nothing inherently wrong with it, but nothing special. Uh, the proven ground match, uh, 5.41 melts are two and a half as well. So Dude, me and Meltzer and again, this is the bias I want to talk about. Eddie Kingston, Anthony Henry, five-minute match, 5.41. Genuinely, though, why does this get a higher rating than Shane Taylor and Keith Lee? And I wasn't even a big fan of it. Like, it's just I, weird. I'm the one who defended the Keith Lee and Shane match, so I'm totally with you on that <laughs> uh, overall. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, but anyway, they got that out of the way, and that led to the main event. The Ring of Honor Women's World Title match, Athena defending against Billy Starks. 
and they had uh, Lexi Nair, who was also a part of their storyline, do the intros for the match. Obviously, this was a big deal to have the women in the main event spot. They had their you had the, the women's world title match made in the final battle, which is a, a great testament, even though to me, like I said, the the match, the fight without honor was just so amazing that I, I loved it so much. But these two came in there. Athena comes out with the speaking of basketball references. She went full Rip Hamilton here with with the, the mask on over the broken <laughs> nose. Um, she came out of this like really wild attire. And like pulled her mask off to reveal another mask under which I popped for, but it was to protect her broken nose, I think. And there was a lot of effort here. Again, that's one thing you can say pretty much up and down this show. The effort of the performers cannot be questioned on this show, and I'm sure they probably heard a lot. They knew the attendance wasn't very good. Ultimately, you know, it was under two thousand seats here for this, which probably made a lot of people determined to make them re- anybody who could have gone regret it that didn't uh and the effort was here for this match what did you think uh by the end of it here because i know this was the match that really drew you to this show uh, what did you think of this match great point just want to you know touch on what you said like with aew whether it is aew or you know roh they are very consistent uh, in terms of pay-per-view in-ring quality like you are even if the builds aren't good you're typically always getting a very quality pay-per-view and with something like final battle as well and with these not being an omega or whatever and it's still being like i thought this was one of the better pay-per-views of the year honestly um i think it's a testament to the workers for being able to pull this off and dude also i want to shout out the fucking fans dude this was one of the like most lit audiences i think yeah all year. they yeah, did not they sounded like a full arena and dude what's insane is like i had fatigue watching at home they were still loud as fuck for athena and billy starks like they stayed through the show and it was surprising um that said this match the only real negative i could say is the finish like to me i am a massive starks fan um i think it was tampa wrestlemania weekend post co or post what was it 2021 so post the, the pandemic in 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 studio one where spring break got canceled and everything billy starks had this weekend of matches where you know she fought gary J in a fucking action iwtv showcase she fought starboy charlie at spring break and there was just a whole bunch of other matches i can't remember dude it was so funny she wrestled on the she or she had to leave the spring break or that sorry the collective during the for the culture event or whatever, because it was the Faye Jackson gray sweatpants battle royale, and she was like 15 at the time. So they, they had her leave. Um, dude, she is a prodigy. I genuinely believe that she is um, like, you know, when I think about North American based wrestlers, I think for this generation, our best wrestler, like the past one for me is Sasha Banks. It's Mercedes. And I really think Billy could be that next person, dude. Um, This had like when I saw that it was 28 minutes, I genuinely could not believe it. This had great pacing. It never slogged for me, at least. Um, Dude, the top rope. Did they do a top rope Japanese ocean cyclone or was it a a German? What move did they do? Yeah, I think it was uh, the German, but it looked very close to say the least. 
dude, it was such high elevation. Like, and I would love to. Okay, real quick. Sorry, I forgot. But dude, Fletcher busting out because that insane move just reminded me of this. But I think the the spot in survival of the fittest. You know, when you're watching a match, does it ever happen when like they hit one move and you're like, dude, it, that's a whole quarter edition right there that elevated it, right? Yeah, it was. Oh, I looked at it now. So this move here, it was like a Kreutz Wrath almost, like the the electric chair into the German from dude, the top. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's kind of like a combination almost of the Japanese Ocean and the German. Insane. Yeah, um, thank you for great. looking that up. But okay, I was yeah. thinking of Fletcher doing the top rope. Brainbuster uh turnbuckle drop on Commander. That fucking that awesome. popped me so hard because you never yeah. see that bust out anymore. And dude, it looked so nasty. But um, same with this top rope move here. Like, dude, everything, they were killing each other. And this this genuinely to me felt like a stardom main event in terms of just the level of brutality, the length. When do we ever get women's matches this long? Even on AEW, yeah. like on your pay-per-views. Tony Storm's matches, you know, the women's match is never going to go past 15 minutes. Dude, this is fucking awesome. Like, it was not the cleanest match. Um, you know, I think Billy is still rough sometimes, but dude, that's what I love. She reminds me of early Punk, where like Punk's moveset was never super clean and crisp. It's like a Swerve Strickland, but it's that roughness that really adds to the overall factor, I think. Um, and dude, like AEW right now, having Starks, Wayne, I think if they pick up like a Leon Slater and a Jordan Oliver, I think they yeah. are very set up for that like Gen fucking Z stuff. Like uh, I think WWE just got Brogan Finley. It's like that literal brat pack, right? Like Starboard yeah. Charlie too. Like these are very good wrestlers. Um, I don't know if you're. Are you into skateboarding at all? Yeah, I used to be a really big. I, hey, I had a my my deck had Pikachu on it when I was younger, oh, but I, I haven't I haven't skateboarded in, a, in a, like probably. 10 years at this point but i'm still a fan though i'll watch the x games every year when it comes on there's this um there's this group i, I want to say it's like elijah burrow it was during girls video um fucking uh blah, 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 pretty sweet and it was like elijah burrow they were called the trunk boys and yeah. it was like this group of young kids and you're just like dude okay they're doing like yeah Corey kennedy elijah burrow stevie perez Sean Malto and dude, they're like young in their teens at this point. And like, you know, you have Cade now and then the kid who just won Street League at 12. Like yeah. we're in that point now where we're seeing virtuosos, dude, like before they're yeah. like leak, like Nick Wayne signed to AEW, but can't wrestle for them because he's literally not old enough yet. Like we're in a crazy age, dude. And like. I think what we're seeing, though, is like in America, this is really happening now. Right. In Japan, yeah. you have like DDT and Azumi's a 44 year old veteran already in the business. Right. So and she's yeah, only she's 20. 21. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's like it's very exciting to see this stuff so early on. And I go back to like Chris Hero talking about fatherless children on the indies. Right. And yeah. I remember Regal and Hunter talking about, you know, we don't mind signing a Finn Balor once he's 36. Let him go around and get his reps and then come here. No, dude, sign the fucking young people, too, because yeah. I want to see these stories develop. That's why I watch all Japan house shows, because Hokuto Amori, I want to see you could tell it was going to be a big year for him. I want to see that progression. Right. Yeah. Uh, from Wolf Moon to looking like a young little pillar now with Nakajima. Like, shit's cool, man. And it's all about the youth. Without the youth, 
<laughs> you have WWE ruthless aggression. So <laughs> and I don't want to go back there. No, no, okay. Well, you know, well, I should the say ruthless like, aggression. Mid 2010. Sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'd say ruthless aggression yeah, had right. their young guys, to be fair. But yeah, yeah. 2010 level. Yeah, that sucked. <laughs> like, don't totally agree. But uh, sorry, that's a big rant to say that, dude. I'm all in on Billy Starks. My big negative, I think Starks should have won. This felt like the necessary passing of the torch. Um, this is like Okada at Naito when Naito didn't win, and you're like, what's happening now? Um, this felt like Athena needed to go to the main roster. This felt like her graduation for all the hard work. Um, you know, unless they run it back, which they totally could. Um, I just, I like Taya, Nyla, those are good matches on paper, right? And they're bigger names than uh, the Jasmine Oler. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but like, dude, I just, uh, I think it was definitely the wrong decision. That is I would give this one like four and a half. Honestly, um, I really loved it. Four and a quarter to four and a half. I think the finish, if Starks won, that could have really brought it up to like a, a you know match of the year contender for me. I think that first of all, one hundred percent agree. I I thought that Billy should have won here. Let us have a moment on this show, which I mean the the fight without honor was amazing and the finish was amazing. But you could have had a really crowning moment. That match wasn't for a title or anything like that. It was just special on its own. But we didn't get to see a real crowning moment, I felt like, here. Other than Fletcher, <laughs> perhaps in the, in the TV title match. But still, this is the main event. You want to see the dawning of a new era. Turn the page. Like you said, Athena, time for her to move into AEW. She's been one of the most consistent parts of Ring of Honor. One of the MVPs of the company. And one of the best workers on top of it. But now I hated how they did the post match too. Like I, I really hated how that happened. It but didn't make th- sense to me. It yeah. really didn't. The whole, I just want to be your mid like it's, it's And again, like, thank God it happened after and not during like a fucking Roman reigns or young bucks match. Cause that would have <laughs> just killed this whole fucking thing. Yeah. That would have ruined the whole thing. But <laughs> thank you for as a match, this after the pin. <laughs> but as a match, um, Billy, I thought she has her strengths for sure. Far from a finished product. Uh, but if you look at her effort again, she is a great bump taker. There was blood in this match. Uh, Athena brought the violence at times. There is, There are parts to this where it's a little over the top. Like the personality of Athena, especially like she's so screamy and, and super angry that it's not always natural to be compared to when she first kind of turned heel when she remember when she was like everyone was afraid she's like athena's too dangerous like, oh she shot on jody threat oh my god it, and then meanwhile like people were like nakajima knocked out endo shoot style bro that shit was sick <laughs> well but when she came and doing that she leaned into it which was very smart and made it her gimmick and she was just like a no-nonsense badass like i'm gonna hurt people and i loved that like i was totally on board with that and I thought it was great. Then the stuff with this Billy Stark things, the Starks thing is basically, you know, like Starks is like her, her servant and, and Athena is her dom and they go around. And now that uh, finally Billy was like, screw this crap. I want to be the champion. Like, you know, you don't, don't like, you got to respect me, Athena. 
And she should have earned her respect in this match, you would think, with the way it played out. And instead, she's just like, yeah, like, I want to be your minion again. What? Like, that's not that's not the right way. Like, that makes no sense in the terms of the storyline. I didn't like it at all. Um, and that kind of, like, deflated me about the match as a whole. But there was a lot of good stuff to it, though, however. Uh, I will say that I personally preferred the Willow match from July at Death Before Dishonor. I thought that was Athena's tip-top best match, and that was a fantastic match. Billy totally deserves roses thrown her way. 19 years old, uh, doing great performances like this in the main event. Uh, a storyline that, again... I didn't. I did definitely didn't like how this played out in the, in the aftermath. But coming into the match, it was well done. This would have been the student overtaking the teacher type of thing. They could have done the finish with the ref bump too. I didn't like that part either, with the ref getting bumped. And, and I get that you wanted to have Lex, Lexi Nair involved somehow, but I wouldn't have gone that route uh, overall. But still. A good match. Uh, Athena had a ton of violence, and they wanted to really... It wasn't like this was some, like... It wasn't like the Vikingo and Taurus match where there were all these insane moves or anything. They had a pretty basic match for a main event. You know, they this match was all about fire, intensity, and aggression, and then you had the big moves they they built up to where you had that big memorable spot with Kreutzrath from the top. Uh, which was a great, great moment for sure. Um, and I love too where, when they did the thing for the barricade where she hit that like uh, the sling blade to the face, like on the floor, was really good. Um, Starks was doing wild bumps again. Um, I and one thing I wish too would have been better. There was a part in the match where Billy grabbed at Athena's mask. And pulled it down, and I was like, okay. Like, I, I kind of like stood up a little bit for that. I was like, okay, now we're getting something really special. <laughs> and she was so soft <laughs> on her strikes. Uh, it was kind of like, remember when we were talking about the NXT uh, show, and Trick had this amazing aura and was doing cool shit all over the place, but his strikes sucked so much. And then Billy comes in, like, this was your chance. I wanted her to blast Athena, and she went safe, which was as a more moral person like humanity wise she was obviously holding back <laughs> for an in injury right like she didn't want to blow her away with her she's already injured in the nose but for me just getting into the match and the story someone who's abused you and and treated you like her servant for a year you should want to blast her and she just didn't deliver on that end and i thought that was a pivotal moment that they dropped the ball on a little uh in my opinion which could have been great but still uh, i would definitely recommend this match I'm a little lower on it than you and even the inmates. I had this at four stars as well. I'd put this above the Vikingo and Taurus match, though, uh, putting one on one. But I thought the the fight without honor was like unbelievably great. And this was a worthy main event, ultimately, don't get me wrong, which is a testament to Billy Starks, uh, again, at such a young age. But again, she is young, but she's been at this five, six years at this point. Uh, she's getting up there in terms of wrestling age, and uh, hopefully... She's got a well, we know that she's got a bright future, obviously, and she'll be somebody that you could put on TV and do great things throughout. Uh, hopefully, Athena can get the spot on AEW because she's done a fantastic job, even though I don't love the character. And, I, and like I said, her acting is a little overacty uh, to me, but like her. Her performance has never been better than it has been this year. This great title reign's great. I don't know 
where they go from here with this title reign. As you mentioned, they set up two heelish challengers before, and they've reunited the minions, I guess, uh, uh, under, you know, Miss Athena now. I, where does this title go at this point? Like, who would be a better person to win than Billy here? Lexi Nair. She, Lexi Nair? <laughs> Dude, it's going to be like Maxine Dupree. She's going to bust out the top rope Japanese ocean cyclone suplex. And then we're, <laughs> we're like, what? Um, but no, like, I agree with everything you said. I really don't know where they can go right now unless they run like a Willow trilogy. I don't, I feel like they've already done three though. I, I don't remember. Yeah, they had their chance with her and yep. they passed it up twice. I mean, you know it. And again, it, it Willow feels very solidified on the main roster now. I like what they've yeah. been doing with her and stat and stuff. Um, uh, but, but, but also, dude, real quick, shout out Mercedes Martinez and Diamante versus Stat and Willow. I was thinking of you the whole time because uh, I know you're a Diamante yeah, fan. Yeah, Diamante, that's my girl. I love her yeah. wrestling. And, and Chris is another one I uh, I really thought deserves a lot more credit for a TBS reign. But that, that sounds like a great match. Um, but uh, I was going to say, OK, like, you know who Billy reminds me of right now? And like this person is 30 now. Which I'm like, dude, okay, 11 years from now, Billy reminds me of a very young Mayu taking the world's most fucked up bumps, willing to do (laughs) any spots, tries everything like, dude, works harder. Like, you know, does the intergender stuff like Mayu did in fucking Lucha Underground, dude. Like, I really think that Billy will be one of those next top talents. Um, And like, you know. I think certain matches, like when I rate them as well, I sort of look at it as well as like, um, to me, this feels like a chapter in both women's careers. Like this is something that if we were to look back, we'd be like, yeah, when they had their final battle match, like, a, a, you know, a Danielson Morishima type thing, like this was a canon event for both of these people. And what I really hope and what was not indicated immediately afterwards, which, you know, as we both said, was deflating, but that this helps them both go into their next chapter. Um, You know, so I don't know. I mean, you could do something interesting where Billy goes to AEW, right? And then Athena comes after and she's like, you left me behind. And like Shane. Yeah, Um, Yeah. (laughs) but uh, I mean, there's a lot of ways you could do it. I... Have they had TV since the pay-per-view? Ring of Honor? Yeah. Uh, I don't think so. Okay. Yeah, because I was going to say, I, I'm going to try to start watching now, um, or keeping up more than I have been. But, yeah, I just, I don't know. Um, yeah, that's it for me. Well, no, they the, they actually did have a show, actually. So, um, looking here, okay, yep, they built up Ty again. She beat Vert Vixen. It looks like. No, stop jumping on Vert. Huh? Von Eriks beat the workhorseman. Fuck off. Uh, oh yeah, the 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 Von Eriks. Yeah, don't yeah. Be, don't be surprised if they turn up on the worst of show. Hey, are um, you gonna watch the, the? Are you gonna watch the the Iron Claw movie? Yes, I really want to go see it. I just got to find time. Yeah. But yeah, this show is not winning me over. I'm, I'm looking at the lineup right now. Uh, to, <laughs> but, to be um, honest. But, I guess overall, though, this pay-per-view, when I look back at it, the matches that are forgettable, I have completely forgotten. 
And then I look back and I say, dude, there are four matches on here that I pretty much can put at four and a half and feel comfortable. Um, And three of those were half an hour long. And I think that is no easy feat to have three 30 minute matches that all exceed very good quality and expectations. Um, So for me, this show was a huge success, especially for how much of an absolute afterthought it felt like. I think they delivered an amazing show to the fans, which was, you know, indicated by the fans reciprocating through just endless energy um, and involvement. Um, The highs were insanely highs. Again, the lows were never offensively bad. Um, No, there there, there was nothing on the show that was like actively bad, in my opinion. Uh, other than like some choices, like the Kingston and Henry match was a bad choice. Mm-hmm. Um, I I like the Keith Lee and Shane Taylor match more than most, but still, <laughs> if I could have, I would have eliminated the Lee and Taylor match, tried to add some more build to that to the next whatever they're going to do with that. I would have kept one of the pure and the six man title match. I would have gotten rid of the other. I don't think you needed both. On this show, I personally like the six man match better, but if you needed the pure title on, that's fine as well. You would have cut two matches off uh, and the squash, which just was not needed uh, at at all. I just wasted time, literally. Uh, And I think that at that point, this is closer to a four hour show, even counting zero hour. uh, And I would have definitely had Billy win at the end just because I can't see any way it ends better. And for the story, how they did it was completely nonsensical. And it does not make me happy uh, to follow, to continue following it. But I will try. I've got the Honor Club subscription. Uh, I looked at the card. I was not impressed. But I'll give them a shot. But as a show, I mean, the fight without Honor was an incredible match, in my opinion. That definitely the best of the match of the night. The TV title survival of the finish was a great match. Like I, and very successful in what it wanted to accomplish. I thought that was awesome. The main event was a great match, even though I had some quibbles about it. It was still really good and a worthy main event, even at almost 30 minutes. And then the opener, again, there were complaints to be had, but I still would say it was a great match uh, overall. And some people probably thought the I Quit match was a great match, like Meltzer, if you were into the plunder. So that's at least five deep. And definitely, I would say, like, the top three matches were all pretty solid, you know, like solidly up there as great matches. I can't imagine anybody not liking the the fight without honor. Uh, but the other two matches were great too. Uh, those three, I would highly, highly recommend. Uh, and the opener I would as well. And you know, if you're into the, I quit style, maybe you don't like it, or maybe you like it more as a match type than we did. Maybe that's worth your time as well. And like you said, nothing else was bad on the show, even the stuff that I didn't like. Uh, so this was a really strong show uh, up and down. You have to consider it up there as one of the better shows in AEW this year. So I really enjoyed that. Uh, shout out to, to what they did here. Uh, the Ring of Honor team deserves credit. Uh, they did their best to make a show memorable, and I really liked it. So, And I, again, want to give more roses to Caprice and Ian. I thought they were excellent on commentary all throughout uh, to to the very end of the main event. Uh, I thought they did a great job. So everything about it was good. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, keep like for me, I'm like keeping in mind like this is a Ring of Honor pay-per-view, right? And that old yeah, school yeah. identity – it's a final battle. I think they definitely did succeed. Like I see the inmates, you know, 8.46 probably go between like a seven and a half or so. But um, yeah. 
you know, your triple A mega title match reminds me of like when they used to bring in the Dragon Gate guys. Right. Um, yeah. You know, totally. I quit match is just that really deep classic like Jimmy Jacobs age of the fall shit. I feel like yeah. your survival of the fittest match is absolutely to me like the heart and beating fucking soul of what made ROH so special. I agree. Um, and then, you know, your fight to honor Jay Briscoe, just beautiful. And then what I really loved is the women's world title main eventing, though. It felt like the new era of ROH, right? Because I'm not yeah. going to pretend, like, no disrespect to anyone, but, like, the Mandy Leon or whatever and, like, Sumi Sakai era of the ROH women's scene was, like, anything that was impactful or really felt like it had a presence on the show or something meaningful um and i think that if roh new roh has succeeded in anything it's integrating an actual women's division which more often than not delivers more than the actual AEW women's division does so to me is a ring of honor pay-per-view because sometimes i always look at this as like another AEW pay-per-view right yeah, I think yeah that this really succeeded not only as a pay-per-view in terms of in-ring quality but as a goddamn ring of honor pay-per-view and that's still cool to see after what this is like the 20th final battle or something insane like that i don't even know but it's awesome yeah that's that's a good point um i think the goal from here on should be much less aew involvement ring of honor should have their own stars that are not beholden to aew at the end of the day and we will talk about who the world champion of the company is, because that was not decided on this show. <laughs> Instead, it's in the middle of the tournament that we all love very much and have covered all the way through. Uh, the Continental Classic of AEW. Uh, we went long on the Ring of Honor show, so uh, let's go ahead and, and get through this week's matches and where they're going. Because they did set up the finals of each block this week. Uh I will say right now on the Dynamite show, I'll briefly get my thoughts, and you can yours, and we'll talk about the finals after. Sweet. Uh, Swerve and Rouge. Sorry, we're talking Holiday Bash, not Winter is Coming, right? The names confuse me. There's so many, and then, like, it's all holiday-themed right now. Yeah, it's it's all holiday, right? Uh, Okay, so... Okay, Yeah, yeah, Holiday Bash. Okay. Um, Swerve and Rouge. It was really good. I liked it a lot. Uh, I thought that it was pretty much the right call to keep Swerve in uh, to things. I would have liked Roosh to get a win just to make it more dramatic. <laughs> but considering who was going to win the main event, uh, you couldn't do that uh, at the end. So Swerve winning was right. Uh, good match. It wasn't at the level of like Roosh and Mark, in my opinion. But a good match. I liked the Mark and Jay match even better than Jay Lethal. Uh, love the thing, like you, you mentioned it earlier, their promo backstage was one of my favorite promos of the whole tournament, where they were there at first, like Jared and crew were making fun of Mark. And then uh, the guy asked Mark, he's like, uh, you know, what's going on here? And he's like, he's like, you lost all your matches, man. What's up? And he's like, this is like my rookie season. 20 okay. years as a tag team? Yeah. Go on. Can I talk about this real quick? Because I've been watching it back a lot because it. I need to really go back. Something I don't remember as much are promos. But that really yeah. is like one of my top five of the year. It reminds me of Takeshita. Totally. Um, I love And it. I think what they really succeeded, and I want to shout out the AEW production team here, is they fit three scenes in one continuous shot here. And that is no easy feat in pro wrestling because a lot of the time the acting is not great. So yeah. first you have 
Briscoe's solo promo where he just gives like and Briscoe's ability to give promos is so goddamn natural and amazing. Where He's awesome. Awesome. He performer. is so good. He like I don't know when people talk about Cody Rhodes, right? Cody Rhodes is a hell of a promo. Sometimes I think they feel very staged. I feel like the way people talk about Cody is just how Mark Briscoe does promos. He is the most natural baby face. Yeah. I was a tag team wrestler for 23 years. This is my rookie season as a singles yeah. wrestler. The, the losses don't matter. And the, the sincerity and like his maturity surrounding or whatever. Then Jared and them come in. Like you said, you have the comedic sequence in the middle. Jace shuns them off or whatever. Yeah, I got this. And then they have a very honest and genuine conversation there. Well, we don't got much to lose for the love of the fucking game. Man. For the love of the game. And dude. And yeah. again, like in film, right? People will say, oh, there's no cuts. Right. Like a WWE thing would. But the decision yeah. not to cut is the same as cutting. It's an editing decision in its own choice. Yeah. Um, and dude, Good like point. they built this match. I think at the very beginning of the title, we both said to like, I bet Briscoe lethal is going to be the last one. Um, and dude, it was great. Like I thought that they because like, how do you match the emotion of their last match right where it's to celebrate jay briscoe just passing away as a tribute yeah. um and they figured out how to fucking not only match that but i thought continue it continue it in a very meaningful way that wasn't just let's do it for jay right um like it's a story dude it's not just a moment that they're that they're that they're stuck to now and i, yeah. I loved it so sorry sorry for breaking right here because i know there's a, another one on this show but dude i just yeah. had to shout that out what a what no, a great I, moment in the tournament yeah and within two minutes with two guys who haven't won any matches they both had zero points this was still my most anticipated match of the tournament <laughs> just based off of that uh they did such a phenomenal job in the backstage like you said it was so real you know, with the love of the game, Lethal says, well, how about honor? I like it. He said like, it was it was perfect. Like their characters yep. were perfect. <laughs> Called back to their history. Everybody knows that amazing match they had with the Jay uh, Briscoe tribute match. <laughs> like and then at the end, it was a perfect finish. Uh, Jay Lethal using the Jay Driller uh, and it not being enough. But then Mark, when Mark does the Jay Driller, it was enough. It was a perfect finish. They shook hands. Mm. It was all real emotions. It wasn't bullcrap like it sometimes happens in wrestling uh it was perfect i love that match a lot yeah and um so just real quick on swerve and roosh i definitely thought that was going to be the draw i thought that swerve was going to go to 10 and then moxie yeah. was going to be jay that's kind of how i saw it happening but dude yeah, yeah I, I would say there, if there was one thing i wish roosh could have gotten more wins again i yeah. don't really know where you could have done it though um, I think he just needed one big win. And I thought that. He yeah, I totally beat, agree. I think he should have beat Moxley. But it's, if they're going to do the Moxley feud after this, then hell yeah. Right. Um, but, you know, just Briscoe and Lethal. Great. I also just looking kind of back now that we're in the semifinals is these people's stories and, and the tournament as a whole, right? Like, yeah, we've really gotten to see how seamlessly and well a G1 can work on American weekly television, which is fucking awesome because the stories are consistent. You know, you get stuff like, like Zack Sabre Jr. Right on his, you know, sort of loss and, and ranting about Bojo. And instead of the, the post match, you're getting these promos on the show and to have like, this is the beautiful little storytelling here, right? Like, you know, we can see very clear trajectories for all of these people coming out too. 
Like, that's fucking awesome. Um, Lethal, we can definitely see is going back to the drawing board, right? Almost like him yeah. telling Jared and them to leave while he was talking about Mark. I could see them forming a tag team, dude. Or yeah, actually, totally. That, but that's also very antithetical to what I'm about to say. So, but um, or maybe just a friendship again. But Mark in the promo before this talking about his rookie season as a singles guy, and he finishes the tournament with a win. That's all he needed was that one win because of that promo he said, and it sold it all so well. Like he comes out of this man, he was a highlight, and and we'll get into it. In the he was event. one of the MVPs, dude. Yeah. I think that. Like everyone yeah. in the gold league showed the fuck up or no blue yeah. league was all yeah, blue league was the all stars. Yeah. League, dude, Jay white. I thought he lost stock in this. Oh, Dylan music to my ears. That was poetry. I couldn't have said it myself. So please feel free to go into it. Well, 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 after all the years in new Japan of all the Jay white fans telling me how great he truly was. Look what we see here. Yet another tournament where he's the worst guy in it, because that's what he was in this tournament. He was not impressive at all. He didn't gain anything and from a storyline perspective, and we'll see what happens at the final. But what you said was so factual. This is proof to all of these naysayers out there that are always like, AEW doesn't tell stories like in ring wrestling. Screw that. We need stories like this is proof that you that wrestling in and of itself is storytelling. Ultimately, you can have a, a tournament with all matches that a improves most everybody again outside of Jay, uh, Jay White. And also sets up things to come. You've told stories in this tournament with everybody, whether it was Swerve, whether it was Mark Briscoe, Jay Lethal, even though he lost every match, he still has like he gained from this tournament. If he wasn't in this tournament, he wouldn't have anything to him. He'd just be another guy and Jeff Jarrett's goofy group. And it would he wouldn't matter at all. Now you actually want to see where he goes from that. Will him and Mark unite? Uh, will they at least go for it? I know Mark had said he didn't want to do another tag team. Obviously, with Jay Briscoe uh, like passing away, uh, so you could see that. But at least maybe come to his aid, do a one-off. You know, come to his aid. You know, maybe Jay turns on everybody. He he's getting beaten down. Then Mark makes the save, and it leads to a big match. Um, Roosh worked his own storyline practically. Um, with John Moxley totally set up a great potential feud that could be a first challenge if Moxley was to win the, the triple crown. Ultimately, Moxley done great things like elevated pretty much everyone he wrestled. And then Jay White, same old, same old, like throughout throughout all of his tournament, boring matches, nothing storyline wise. Uh, at least he didn't wrestle MJF was his main positive, I would say, in this tournament. But other than that, I mean, this win was so flat to me. Yes. And dude. I know we both agree about the triple threat being that. And I think they've done a masterful job of this tournament booking up and down. Like I said, the blue league, there are no complaints. And we'll talk about that in a second, but the gold league, they were like pretty masterful. Jay was the weak link, Jay white, but still he wasn't that bad that it was a big deal. Like he's an acceptable worst guy on the block, but then you do this triple threat. This is something that should have happened five years from now. The first ever tie that leads to a triple threat, but you're doing it the first year. And I know that it's probably because you want to protect uh, Swerve and Moxley. I don't know. Who, like one of them is probably going to win and Jay will take the fall and the other one won't get pinned. I get that. But 
you didn't have to do it that way. You should have done it in a way to where you didn't have to worry about that. You could have booked your way out of it. And for it to, to, for them to break the scale on the first, like first time ever, I just didn't like it. It was just a lame decision, but you could speak on it now if you would like. Yeah. And I, I felt kind of blindsided by it because I didn't like for me, right. I thought that swerve technically has the tiebreaker, right? Because he beat, oh, I guess, but Jay beat Moxley. Yeah, they all beat each other. Like, yeah, well, uh, yeah. Motherfucker. Yeah. Um, but yes, I totally agree. I would have much preferred a singles. And here's the thing, too. If Jay had a remarkable tournament, I do not think I would mind this. I think if Jay really showed up, um, I would be like, If okay, it was Mark cool, Briscoe in the threat, final right? three, it, it, like, let's yeah, say Mark got all the wins. I, yeah. I, I do not like the triple threat inherently just because it's exactly in the tournament, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. you said. But if you're going to do it, I still think like if, if Jay maybe didn't do so poorly, I thought. And like you said, it was flat. I think Jay I, I liked Jay more in New Japan than I do in the U.S. Um, like when I think about my favorite Jay White matches, the FTR tag match. Um, the that was a G1 fantastic finals, and then yeah, Abushi yeah, G one finals, and then Ishii G one semis, and the constant between that was great too. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Is that Jay White is getting his fucking ass beaten up? Jay White is so good at playing a prick who gets beat down ultimately, right? Like in all three of those matches, the people just snap on him at one point and do like in the FTR match when he takes all those moves and keeps kicking out. I yeah. like that Jay. I like Jay who has literally no breath in his lungs, who's like standing on his feet barely and he just gets killed. I do like Jay White in those moments, but man, like the character and the repetition and the lack of any real change from new Japan to here now. And like, this just didn't work for me at all throughout this whole tournament. And again, like it's one of those things where I don't think he necessarily benefited from it. It don't here felt like they had stories. This felt like it was rehabilitation for Jay because they fumbled him so fucking badly post MJF. Yeah. Um, coming off one of the worst matches of the year, like dude, as well, like almost universally agreed. And it's just a uh, cage match with Meltzer four and a half. Um, still so funny. Um, <laughs> Except yeah. for Meltzer, of course. Yes. <laughs> but, um, I don't know. I dude, I thought Moxley had a remarkable tournament though. Jesus. Moxley like, was awesome. This yeah, dude, yeah. like, you know, we're all it's because it's Moxley, right? But like, dude, he just had a great tournament overall. Um, you know, I yeah, overall, and he didn't he didn't really gay. It's not like his story was like that meaningful, like or not that complicated more accurately. <laughs> but he made what he had meaningful through his promos that he had. And this is another thing. This should be a, a big, big siren to a Tony Khan. This tournament, again, much like the storytelling, like this is proof you could do good storytelling with it being good and not stupid, like the devil and, and all of that. Uh, and this tournament proves that you could have guys lose and it doesn't hurt them. 
it Moxley did not lose anything by taking a clean fall in this tournament. Uh, neither did Swerve. Neither did anybody. You don't have to be so overprotective that you you do the tournament like the Owen Hart, which is what I fear feared this would be like, where they would do draws and not let anybody do, take a clean fall. They actually had the balls to actually make this a good tournament, and it, that's why everyone loves it. It's been successful in the ratings. The ratings have gone up through the tournament. Uh, listen, people. Why would anyone hate this tournament outside of like bad faith people, you know, ultimately? Um, and like just the, the stability it's brought back to television. Absolutely. Um, I love it. I think that if you really want to fucking elevate the women's division, we said this again, run this again during the summer, run one tournament during the summer, run one during the winter. I think that's awesome to do it like this you know one culminates at all out the other culminates at world's end or whatever i don't know um because i would love to see them do a women's one i think that they have the talent and i think that that would be a massive and meaningful investment and i think that what they've shown us here right is that on dynamite throughout this entire tournament we've seen the resurgence of riho so much great timeless tony stuff and then dude we've just been having these random banger roddy strong matches like that's sick too and it's like and then on collision like you have all of you know content or the c2 matches you've had an actual women's feud you had willow and stat with mercedes and diamante now you have julian abaddon with sky blue doing a lot on these shows as well um in addition to just some like really sound brian cage matches and what i like is that this whole time we've seen how seamlessly you can blend the tournament with the actual show without them feeling like two different entities um and man, it's again like uh, this has really helped me fall back in love with AEW to where I'm watching the shows, you know, as as quickly as I can, as opposed to just listening to a review, you know. Absolutely, I agree with all of that. And the women's tournament should be something they at least make the attempt for. <laughs> um, you could bring somebody in from a Ring of Honor, or a special guest, maybe even somebody from. Uh, you know, Japan of some sort, if you wanted a special guest or, um, and you have great talent all around. Uh, we know it won't be Julia because Tony Khan is blind, apparently, when it comes to, to women. But uh, to everyone else, there's still a lot of great talent that you can put in there. You have great women on your roster that you could do some big things with. Like you said, Riho coming back. The crowd loves her uh, building up to a pretty nifty little title shot here with Tony. Uh, we'll see what happens going forward, but I hope that does come to pass because I think you could gain a lot. I don't know how the quality will be as good as this tournament, but you will gain something from it anyway, even if it's not as good <laughs> overall. It, not everything has to be perfect to be a step forward as well, and I, I think that they need to embrace that talent uh, that Dude. way as well. Yeah, and I mean, I think like again, you know, AEW now they have like their Champion Carnival. And they have their Royal Road and the Owen Hart, right? If they actually yeah. turn the Owen Hart into something meaningful, again, that's your summer right there. I forgot. Yeah. You can run a women's tournament in the spring. And like, dude, like, okay, imagine one block. You got Stat, Willow, Thunder Rosa, Sheeta, Riho, and Tony. Like, dude, they have the talent. They just don't have the fucking consistency, I feel like. Yeah. And again, like, what I what I really like about this tournament is that having this like assured and i've said it a million times now but consistency right stability i think yeah. it allows them to do more outside of the tournament on tv that's like 
trying new stuff out, integrating other people because you're guaranteed great matches and stars already, right? So now yeah. we see like, dude, Sky Blue, Abaddon, uh, Brian Cage, Roddy Strong. Like these are people who were not, you know, at least in ring, Roddy was in the wheelchair, but not prominently featured really before the tournament. And like, now we've seen whole career changes for these people and it's awesome. So that, yeah, that's my rant on dynamite. <laughs> and then, uh, last night we had the collision continental classic match, uh, Brian Danielson and Claudio freaking awesome. Like one of the best matches of the tournament, if not the best. And we all knew it would be like anyone would sense knew these two were going to deliver a banger. Uh, I don't even have to get into it too much. It was just freaking great, and I loved it. Um, it came. It was the one draw of the tournament. <laughs> I thought that was great booking too, to save one draw to make it special. And it's perfect. It's so logical. <laughs> the two stablemates going to it. I loved everything about that match. It was awesome. Uh, Danny Garcia gets his first one of the tournament. Again, simple storytelling that was perf- like done to perfection with him getting the upset over Brody King at the win at the end uh, to get the win. Um, I think I would have rather honestly had that match first because with the draw, uh, that pretty much eliminated, uh, Brody for, from a fancy. Mm. So uh, I would have had that match open the show and then gone to Brian and Claudio and it would have been that much more, but still it wasn't about Brody. It was about Garcia getting his win here and Brody had got a great push at the start as well. As I mentioned, when we were covering it early on. If you look at Gato booking of G1, there's always a guy who starts out hot and then loses all of his matches. Like he wins his first half and then loses his back half. They did the same thing with Brody King. It still worked. He still gained something from it. It was great. Uh, Eddie and Andrade, that was a, a really good match in its own right. One of Eddie's best in the tournament so far. Andrade's really stepped his game up here in Blue League. And Eddie, of course, gets the win. And in the end, they don't do a triple threat or anything weird like that. It's Brian versus Eddie, one-on-one. What do you think of Blue League? Ah, Blue League. Time limit draw, amazing. Like you said, them only doing one-two, very surprising. At the beginning of this tournament, we talked a lot about like AEW's inability sometimes to really let people lose. And dude, no interferences. They delivered. Um, you know, the closest thing we got, and I was pretty surprised, was the post-match post match beatdown on Garcia. Uh, but yeah, I thought best match of the tournament, Danielson, Claudio, no contest. It was just fucking yeah. unreal when Claudio Special. uppercutted Danielson and they do that moment where Danielson's just smiling. Is Claudio's like trying to like stretch out his arm because he hit him so hard. Um, I loved the finish. Uh, Garcia pinning Brody King. I loved, I loved, I really liked the ending sequence, right? The Gonzo bomb, uh, Garcia doesn't kick out at one or anything, doesn't know sell it. He barely survives it. And then yeah. it's Brody's pause and his lack of a follow up that allows Garcia to sort of regain and then play possum to go into the jackknife. Really great finish. Um, you know, kind of weird post match just with the FTR. I, I just noticed we've been talking for four hours, so I'm not going to yes. dive into it. So I am so sorry, Dylan. Um, and then don't apologize. Kingston, I love it. No Kingston Andrade. Um, really good match. I loved the opening. only two and a half on recording too, by the way. So it's fine. Oh, okay. Okay. I just, I did want to make sure you don't have to run or anything. So, no. um, okay. Okay. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, like, okay, if they're doing a Mark Briscoe, Jay Lethal stable, I say throw an FDR with them. I think that would be a really cool fucking stable. 
I don't yeah. really know. Like, I know House of Black's feuding with FTR, but now it kind of feels like they helped out Daniel Garcia and Daddy Magic, but that's like a weird alignment. I don't really know what's happening there. Um, but again, both these guys' as tournaments, I thought Brody really established his guy, himself as the singles guy in House yeah. of Black. And like, Absolutely. you can really now, when Malachi and Buddy came out and held um, Daniel for Brody, you can really feel the power shift in House of Black that Brody and Julia are kind of your de facto leaders now, as opposed to just a Malachi, which I thought yep. was super interesting. Um, real quick. I want to talk about the women's tag match. I love yeah. Julia Hart and sky blue together. I thought the majority of the interactions with them two and Abaddon were great. I loved the part where they just sat her down and just kept smacking her and chopping her. Like they they're fun together. They work well together. I thought this was a really bad time or not the match to re-debut Thunder Rosa. Like this random alignment with Abaddon. I mean, it seems like to, so she can challenge for the TBS title. This is collision, right? But part of me really wished that there was like a, you know, I don't think the bunny Allie's with AEW anymore, but like an evil Allie with an Abaddon feuding with a Julia Hart and Sky Blue, I think is so much sicker. Thunder Rosa just kind of felt like the Kurt Angle in the shield here. Like, you know, it's like three fucking evil horror looking goth chicks. And then it's like Thunder Rosa making her hometown return, which just, it, yeah, it felt like, yeah, it was like the Cody verse inside of a match that had nothing to fucking do with it. Um, but again, I, I really am liking this sort of more storylines outside of just titles. It seems like now for the yeah. women's division. Um, and again, dude, Kingston Danielson, what a final. That's going to be the one where it's like, I really don't know what's going to happen. You know, maybe Moxley Kingston finals could be Mox Danielson, Swerve Danielson. Um, yeah. You know, because Swerve and Danielson fought recently, right? It was TNT number one contender. Danielson yep. beat Swerve. So he could totally get his win back then. You, the Swerve Tuesday could, show. Yeah, dude, Swerve could be triple crown champion and face Keith Lee. You know, these are other things. I want him to go for the world title. But if he's the first triple crown too, make it fucking mean something. I'm cool with it. Um, I don't know. Whatever. But uh, yeah, I'm very excited as a whole going into the semis. I'm going to assume the semifinals take place this Wednesday finals at world's end right uh yeah that, okay. that's right yeah dude I, i'd love to do a little post show wednesday short little one if you want Talk absolutely about it world's end preview if you're down for it i am double down for it because i'm into the finals uh, not a fan of the triple threat but either way it's cool i'm looking forward to see what how it plays out and maybe if anything else if if jay white advances then we'll have something to complain about on the next episode as well so uh to me the logical final is a, is what I predicted at the start of this whole thing, which was Moxley and Kingston. Like, finally pay off their long-term story. That has the deepest backstory to it. <laughs> and you get it to end the year for a major stipulation. And in my opinion, I would have Eddie just retain the title. Like, and, and get his finally get his win over Moxley. They hug and, and all that stuff and that emotional and, and all that. That's what I would do. But on the other hand, that's the most logical, deepest story. The problem for me is Brian Danielson's in this tournament. So that means I want him to win, and I want him to also win the title because I want him to have the most matches, uh, ultimately, regardless of logic or storylines. So I will always want Brian to have the most matches. So if he wins, I would have no complaints at all. 
If Swerve wins, I wouldn't mind. Jay White, in my opinion, should not advance. He does not deserve it. But Swerve does. Like, if he did win, that would be totally fine. Have him go for the Triple Crown. Uh, like you said, you have an easy pair-off. I think Moxley winning the Triple Crown would be good. Uh, you have Roosh, like an easy first challenger to go for that you could play off of this tournament as well. Um, Moxley would be a great choice as well. If you want him to kind of be the anchor of Ring of Honor for a little while, I think that would be a great choice. That's one thing I do want to say. I think whoever wins should be a Ring of Honor guy while they're, they're the champion. Like, they need to be the face of the company and holding this Triple Crown and making it mean something. My gut says Kingston, but any one of the other four could win. I think what this also does is it circumnavigates the gray area of having the Ring of Honor champion on AEW television. Yeah, you're right. Will be he has an AEW champion. Yeah. yeah, because this will be a, a, the sort of the North American triple crown, right? This will totally allow them to, uh, you know, f- just basically move between shows with no longer like the weirdness, um, which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know, sort of removing Jay White from the picture without hopefully jinxing ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> John Moxley, Swerve Strickland, Brian Danielson, Eddie Kingston. This is a remarkable final four. If you're looking at like a first ever tournament semifinals, like, I mean, this is pretty much your Tanahashi, Naito, Okada, and Ibushi, right? Like, this is just a really fucking great set of guys. Um, I think that, you know, hopefully when we move into next year, we can look back and be like, dude, how are they going to top themselves this year? Um, you know, whether it's expanded fields, I would definitely be down for a 10-man field. Just because I think that having yeah. the Danielson and Garcia match on Rampage, like, dude, Rampage would be the perfect place if you wanted to run some Mark Briscoe, Jay Lethal, Rampage main event, right? Like, that's awesome. That, I think, would bring some eyes to it. Um, yeah. And just fill out the shows more because it's like, you, you know, you don't need – you don't need everything they're doing sometimes and more meaningful stuff would definitely count. So, you know, again, outside of Jay White, I really can't say enough positive. And even then, like I liked Jay's match against Swerve. Um, I think that was definitely his best one in the tournament. I thought his match against Mark was pretty good too, but outside of that, like the Roosh one was pretty deflating. Um, you know, actually, no, I would say that that one was pretty decent, too, just because Roosh beat the shit out of him. But again, yeah, that was fun. finish lethal yeah. dude, Montreal. I will never forget that match. Let's go. Jay. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And I would say that his Moxley one was honestly probably the worst, which is very strange to say. Like you said, just incredibly flat. And it felt like um, the one thing that didn't maybe feel uh, organic in this tournament like that felt like the artificial you know, sort of, we have to do this shit, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, we'll see how it plays out. And we will talk about the finals uh, and the semifinals as well on Wednesday. <laughs> I cannot wait to get to that, as well as World's End. Uh, should be a lot of fun stuff coming up. Before we get on out of here, uh, we will quickly, uh, to bring it back to final battle, I took some notes on the media scrum coming out of that as well. Uh, we will talk a little bit about it now. And the first people that were on were FTR and Mark Briscoe, as they should have been, because they were awesome. Uh, Mark was talking about how, you know, he was basically like that match was like his therapy, you know, because this is his first Christmas without Jay in it. And the the kids, their parents, you know, sisters and all that. Uh, And he was like, you know, just saying, hey, 
this is a new normal, but me and my family, I I got faith in God because I think he's in a better place, not worrying about Twitter posts or, or uh, you know, whatever uh, there or bills or anything like that. Uh, they they Somebody asked them about because recently there was this controversy on Twitter where SmackDown, their media guy or whatever, called uh, Lashley and the Street Profits them boys. And Mark was like, what? Like, we're, you know, like me, the Briscoes are them boys. And that caused this whole nonsensical, stupid controversy <laughs> by fans. But he was like, uh, you know, uh, the anniversary of this match we had, it was tough. Uh, in wrestling, there's only one them boys. He's like, you can talk about the Cowboys, maybe in hip hop, but it, that's all good. But in wrestling, it's only the, the only them boys are Mark and Jay Briscoe was pretty much it. But he said that he was emotional about it uh, going on there. Uh, and he's trying to try to stay off of Twitter <laughs> more, I think, was probably the best idea, uh, pretty much. Uh, they basically said they asked him about going for the six man titles. And FDR said they're going to let Mark be a singles guy uh, first, but maybe one day. Uh, Ethan Page showed up. Uh, again, he was really likable on commentary. Uh, Briscoe, Mark was too, but Ethan really did a good job on the commentary. And he basically said, uh, you know, for Ring of Honor, you know, in Ring of Honor, he can help elevate it and make it a place to be. Uh, pretty much, and that that's a good thing. And if you ain't like that, then you probably shouldn't be there. Uh, that's a good thing. And he told a story about how they were looking for a partner. Like when Men of the Year started, they brought that up, and he was saying how basically he uh, they totally lied to Tony Khan and was acting like, oh yeah, Scorpio Sky, that's my best friend. Like we were, we're always tight. Uh, blah blah blah. But in reality, they had never been friends at all, like or, or known each other that much in the first place. But they just convinced Tony Khan that they were friends so they could be a tag team, and then they became friends afterwards in real life as well. So that was really cool. Uh, like that was a really nice story. And uh, he was talking about how uh, he really enjoyed the match with him and Omega from Collision a couple of weeks ago. Uh, gave some shout out and let me say that right now too. get well soon to Kenny Omega. I know he's got that diverticulitis uh, thing going on. I hope that brother recovers and, and does okay. You don't ever want to see anybody go down. Uh, you know, obviously his last promo was not anything to, to be able to put on the, the highlight reel for him, but you never want anybody going down and hope, hopefully he gets better soon. And, uh, Jericho also did a great job as well on the dynamite where yeah, he gave a very heartfelt promo on there. I thought that was really well done and nice uh, overall. Did you, last night when Ricky Stark said Kenny Omega doesn't have the guts to face them, I was like, dude, that's oh. fucking brutal. Um, I thought that was nasty. And then, and, and then Big Bill said that uh, diverticulitis sounds made up. He was like, <laughs> yeah, he was like, hey, my, my cousin had gingivitis. He's okay. <laughs> Dude, it was like, he's like, let me check my notes. It's not the uh, bad type of diverticulitis, I think. So, uh, <laughs> but dude, yeah, I it's the, the most unfortunate thing is, you know, 
we still got the Chris Jericho match, but dude, that's it's a fucking scary thing. I'm very happy Kenny's okay. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, got caught when he did. It sounds like you know a situation that's very similar to Moxley and Punk, and it seems to be a you know an unfortunate recurring theme sometimes with these wrestlers who are so accustomed to living in pain that they may ignore these signs. So you know, I hope that this is one of those things as well that sort of helps normalize getting help and getting checked out in pro wrestling because the amount of times we hear about these people committing or, or, you know, superhuman feats, whether it's wrestling with a 103 degree fever in a WrestleMania main event or, you know, wrestling with two torn ACLs, fucking whatever. It's like we are human beings. Bodies are fragile in the end. And no matter what health comes first. Right. So I hope this is something that Kenny's able to bounce back from quick and as healthy as possible as well as other wrestlers just remembering that you know you don't always need to fucking be in pain man absolutely and i think that's something everybody should know um and hopefully kenny omega gets well soon just want to send both of our heartfelt wishes to him uh merry christmas to everybody going on and hopefully everybody recovers some does some good things uh to close it out uh they had kyle fletcher on and he was basically saying, like, oh, man, it kind of sucks being a singles guy. Uh, if anything goes wrong, I want to have somebody to blame. But uh, I, I can't do that now. I just I, it's only on me <laughs> pretty much. Uh, so it's it's challenge. You know, it's a challenge for him for that. He wants to blame people <laughs> for, for his problems. That's OK. Uh, they have Billy Starks on. And she said. Uh, Tony Khan was basically like saying. As soon as you showed up, uh, you you know you were 18 years old, and I knew I had something in you back then. And somebody asked her about like, hey, why why are you doing this? Like you know you're only 19 years old, and she she was just like, well, I've been wrestling for so long now, uh, and I just love wrestling. Like that was basically her her, her deal. She's like, I just love it. She was like, I gave up my friends, I gave up my childhood, but I still love wrestling anyway. So we're gonna keep rolling for as long as I can. Uh, yeah, she rules. She does. Uh, Billy Starks <laughs> is good. I, I will give her the credit for that. And Athena was there uh, finally, where she was basically saying like, "I have to go all out because I had a major injury. Uh, like I needed surgery on my Achilles, and when that happened, I thought I might never wrestle again. So I wrestle every match like it's my last." And she was like, somebody asked her, they were like, isn't it an honor that Tony Khan lets you main event Ring of Honor shows? And she was like, I don't know why he lets me main event these shows. Like, it doesn't make any sense, but it's nerve wracking because, you know, we had to follow the kind of matches that happened on Final Battle. Uh, But she said, ultimately, whenever he gives me the opportunity, I'll always deliver. Uh, which kind of answers that question as well. Uh, and then Tony Khan was like, yeah, you know, she's one of the best in the world. And so they asked her, they're like, hey, what's Athena coming to, like, can you put her on AEW? And he was like, oh, that'll be interesting if that happens. Thanks, Tony. Uh, <laughs> uh, so then the, he set everything aside, <laughs> and he was like the last guy, Tony Khan. And they asked about WWE negotiating with Warner Brothers Discovery. And he like all of his answers in this segment were like non-answers. He was just like, yeah, I talked to Warner Brothers. Uh, we've been them for we've been there for a while, 
But hey, AEW's doing good. Like we had the number one ratings, uh, you know, on their network, and you know we've been doing some of the best shows we've ever done lately. It was a promoter talk, pretty much. <laughs> but uh, he was just like, hey, with media rights coming up, everybody has to do to do their due diligence. Uh, and I think next year will be great. Uh, talked about all in, and he was like, yeah, you know, I've been a part of the NFL and soccer. And, uh, you know, stuff happens sometimes in sports, <laughs> but I'm sure it'll be fine. Well, it was basically what he was saying. And then he was like, then he went on a rant a little bit where he was like, man, being an AEW and also Ring of Honor, too. Let's tell the truth. Being an AEW, you're always under constant attacks <laughs> from everybody. <laughs> uh, you do a great show and the next day. Everybody's saying bad stuff about it and talking negative on it. You could do five great shows in a row and, and people still aren't happy with us. You you could break the ticket record for most tickets ever sold and somebody always has to say something bad about it. <laughs> Wait, so is he saying that what he's actually saying is that if you let's do the deep voice probe, he's like, if you work at AEW or Ring of Honor, I'll never forget that, dude. I won't sit back <laughs> and fucking take this shit. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you work for these companies, you're subject to CM Punk fucking up your shows. That's why <laughs> well, he didn't mention that like. part. <laughs> he, he, he did? He, he, no, no, he didn't mention that part. He just talked about how – he was talking about the fans that were like, oh, like everybody always complains. Nobody likes our shows. <laughs> like even if we do great things all the time, you find somebody online that talks bad and attacks AEW. AEW is always fighting off everybody. And I feel I like the crux of that though is always CM Punk. When I look at post pay per view, anytime they do something great, like it's everyone. I mean, I guess there's like the tribalists or whatever, right? But yeah, at least yeah. in like the main the main channels, the general speak, it's like it's always just CM Punk. This past calendar year, just doing some bullshit, whether it's tweeting something from Rocky <laughs> or, or literally beating up Jungle Boy and threatening Tony Khan or fucking just. Or talking about Hangman as a, as a toy seller. Like, dude, this guy was the fucking – and to look at AEW and see that they're actually in a pretty good spot after the absolute year of this prick haunting them, congrats to them. So, <laughs> Well, he came in and he said, you know, uh, he was like, even when people talking – like, I can have the greatest shows of all time, people still complain – he said, let's talk about the facts. Every single person who was in my position to run a wrestling company has gone out of business. I'm the only promoter left, he said, uh, here uh, to go against WWE. And he was like, everybody who stepped up and put millions of dollars into this and done it week after week, 52 weeks of a year, I'm the last one left. Nobody else has done it. And he was like, it's a fight. And I, hey, even for the fans, it's a credit to the fans. I know what it's like. Because it's 52 weeks a year. It's hard. And he's like, that's why you can't go for too long because we're all addicted and it's worth it. He's like, I love the fight. I'm never going to stop fighting no matter what happens. It's it's always going to be worth it. And he was like, just like Jim Crockett, Vern Gagne, Ted Turner and all the rest. God bless them. But I'm doing it all for you. And I know all of you are here in spirit. Thank you very much. He like hugs someone next to him that's not there, and he's like, "I just hugged Stan Munchnik." Right. <laughs> <laughs> but dude, it's I really hope that whenever I feel like everything it's is it's getting exacerbated because of the media rights coming up. I think yeah. once everyone resigns, 
it's like everyone's good again for four fucking years. So it's like it's election year for AEW or something. What's going to happen? And it's like, dude, in the end, they're still largely like one of the number one rated weekly television shows for um, Warner Discovery. And it's like, dude, even if they don't stay there, they will find another home because live television, live fucking weekly television like that is such a dying breed sans sports in terms of like for scripted content. Like, dude, this absolutely has a place on television. I don't understand, again, you know, people in basketball who are basketball fans, right? I'm not sitting there and I'm like, I hope the Brooklyn Nets go out of business. (laughs) You know, it's such a fucking ignorant and just ridiculous thing to wish people out of work. Like, you know, unless you're like a fucking, I don't know, velveteen dream or like just a very bad person (laughs) outside of the ring, right? I will never advocate for you to not be somewhere, you know, it's just insane. And I really hope that, you know, again, once these media rights are done, it just ends because in pro wrestling, because it is still such a largely veiled industry as much as we know, right? Like with CM Punk at Survivor Series, Sean Ross Sapp, I 100% guarantee <laughs> five minutes later, I have all the details on CM Punk subscribe. It's like, fuck you. Um, we still we still function under assumption, right? And I'm not going to sit here and assume one company's going to fail and another's not, because right now both seem to be relatively on fire in terms of like the online buzz and people enjoying it. And hey, one's not for me, the other I'm loving, but it seems like both are doing well. And as an industry overall, that's fucking great because it means that it means that people like Cody Rose can go to WWE and people like Adam Copeland and Brian Danielson can come over to AEW, right? It's a thriving industry. And that's all we can really hope for as fans. Because, you know, if an AEW fails, that's less opportunities for wrestlers, right? If WWE doesn't do as well, that's the standard. It's like it's like Disney losing money, right? It's like people aren't going to believe in the stuff as much. Um, so let's root for each other, y'all, in this new year. And that's 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 our New Year's resolution as wrestling fans. Let, let's root for each other. Unless you're... Unless, what's a promotion we don't want to support? Uh, XPW. Yeah, unless you're an XPW fan, go fuck yourself. <laughs> that, that's, that's the only one I said I, I couldn't do. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, like, that was a step too far for me. <laughs> as, I'm uh, about to go, as I'm about to travel to LA next weekend to see the Circle Six King of the Death match. <laughs> yeah, fuck yourself, you're an XPW fan. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, the wars continue <laughs> on the XPW show. Uh, they mentioned uh, the Iron Claw movie. Uh, we talked about it earlier. Uh, we'll see it one day. I probably won't go to the theaters to see it. Uh, but when it comes on TV, I'll, I'll watch it or on demand or something maybe. But they mentioned MJF got an executive producer role. Uh, I don't think he was in the movie that long, but, uh, you know, they they did their thing. Uh, and hopefully everything goes good. And they said that uh, he said, hey, I'm thinking about putting all the Ring of Honor pay-per-views on Honor Club uh, in the future. And it might make more sense. And I hope it does. Like I said, I think that this is better for me as a fan anyway <laughs> on Honor Club. So. Uh, good job, Tony Khan. Uh, booked a good pay-per-view. Booked a great tournament, even though some stuff, you know, there's some bumps in the road. It's okay. Nobody's perfect. Nobody bats a thousand, right? Uh, so that's cool. Thanks for putting it on Honor Club. Ten bucks. We like that better than the higher price. Uh, it helped us both come in. And man, hell of a show right now. So uh, as always, Nello, thank you so much for taking so much time.
Dude, of course. It's a blast. And um, like last thing for me, more like pay-per-views on Honor Club means the potential for way more pay-per-views. You can run monthly pay-per-views. I think that could help Ring of Honor television stay a little bit more relevant as opposed to just like, oh, it's the seasonal pay-per-view. Um, in terms of anything else, man, I'm so jazzed for the uh, year-end award show. I'm going to be back from L.A. Sunday night, so we'll hopefully have out – we will have out the World's End review. You know, we can chat then, and then um, we'll talk Dynamite this week. Dude, I'm hyped as hell, and thank you as always for having me. Absolutely. I, I love doing it, and I can't wait to do it again. I always have some of the most fun talking to you uh, on Wrestle Update and all the fans out there. We all appreciate you listening. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Uh, you know, it was a ton of fun. If you're on YouTube, hit that thumbs up, subscribe. Uh, give us five star reviews if you can, if you if you think we deserve it. Hopefully we do uh, on here. We're doing a, a, the best we can. And uh, lots of fun stuff coming up. World's End coming up. <laughs> like you said, the the, fi- the semifinals of the tournament coming up. We'll do a little bit on that. Uh, WWE's got three <laughs> like live specials, like pay-per-views, but on TV with Raw and SmackDown NXT. I'll do something with that. I don't know exactly how it's going to work out, but I'll figure something out. And then the award shows, the best of and worst of the year. That is good. You want to tune into that. That's one that you got to tell your friends about because that's going to be a, a ton of fun and a great way to start the year. And, and also clo- close the chapter for one chapter and then start the next chapter in the best way. So we will do that. Keep your eyes peeled and your ears open. We need you. We love you as always. We hope you guys had an excellent, excellent holiday season. Whatever you celebrate, uh, you know, hopefully you got some good food out of it. And uh, yeah, uh, you know, Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night. And until next time, this has been your Wrestle Update.